Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. All right, welcome to the Sebe cast number 158 with Josh Pellald. Josh, how are we doing today? I'm doing beautifully, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. It feel it You know what's crazy is I remember listening to your story probably just months before I ever even started podcasting. And now like having you I it's just like it's weird to me, I guess, because it's like I remember listen and even seeing you on like charlie's channel talking about your experience and i'm like man like that's like a that would be a crazy guest to have on a podcast you know talking about his experience <laughs> and now it's like oh here we are like just i'm the host talking to josh about <laughs> his experience and uh, i appreciate you having me i've been watching your content for years man i've been sniking uh, snaking tricks from you forever i've been using your methods to get ecky keys and uh <laughs> Celestris with the uh the sandstone yeah remember that a couple years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm as honored to be here, man. I'm very honored to be here. I appreciate a long legacy of great RuneScape players on this podcast, so, uh, alongside yourself, of course. I appreciate that. It's really kind. Yeah, no, those. Uh, I, I'm always like kind of impressed, or not like impressed, but just surprised in in a way when people are like, "Yeah, I saw your like 2.67 swamp fucking frog video, like tech manipulating <laughs> that shit." So I'm always. Uh, kind of pleased when there's like those niche methods that people actually found useful so cool cool well i've got to admit man it's like the perfect blend to me because not only is it nice and soothing with the music you know and just to the point here's how me doing it for a while so that you can watch your mistakes but also it kind of reminds me of the old silent core videos man where he was just skilling with like techno mm. and then he just put on the screen and be like this, uh, this is how much money i made this is how much xp i made i don't know how to put it man it's just good information set to nice electronic music i like it very cool it's yeah. very palatable it's definitely not for everybody, but for those that do enjoy it, they, they, they are really appreciative of it. So that's really nice. Um, uh, like two weeks ago, I was looking at your video about doing dark Kebet claw thing for uh, gem mining. I didn't oh, yeah. get it down. I, I gave up after about five minutes. I was like, I'll circle back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've definitely like, I've probably published, I don't know, five or six different gem mining videos with like different variations and like pre-patch and post-patch and it's uh it can get kind of messy if you if you really want to sweat that method i mean you got to be like full ass concentrated basically all right you might have just talked me out of it maybe that's why i didn't get it i was trying to <laughs> I, like half-ass it the the gem the definitely in regards to gem mining the best thing you can do is or like i, I guess the most comfortable is the four tick with Celastra's bark just okay. maintaining that four tick cycle is just really really chill i feel like obviously there's a little bit of weirdness when you have to like run multiple tiles across to another rock but yeah i thought yeah, i noticed was... you clicking the ground in front of the rock first no 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 maybe well I, maybe i misunderstood that's probably what messed me up well there there's just a few instances where like you need to click the bark while you're running in order to i think there's like one instance where you have to do that or two maybe at the beginning of a cycle and like halfway through I'm going to comb back over because I'm 97 mining and I hate mother load mine. <laughs> I hate the XP from stars, although I like how chill they are. Dude, I'm just not I'm just not happy with mining. What, what, one of the OK, so just on, in, on the topic of mining, like one of the things that kind of makes me sad is when people just see mining as 
it's either motherload mine or on in their head it's like it's either motherload mine or granite and then shooting yeah. stars came out and that obviously has been nice for a vast majority of players that but, moved the bar of afk which then made ml motherload mine seem not very afk at all compared to stars you know oh yeah no and and the thing is like motherload mine can be a headache it it that okay so that place would benefit greatly from a forestryization, and i'm not saying forestry as in add a bunch of random events and stuff i'm just saying like changing it so that you're actually benefiting from having more people mining at your spot just minorly but but one of the worst things ever is just having players fully afk not really knowing what they're doing and just depleting spots like repeatedly basically so you're just and up there I also feeling yeah it's just, it's just, I feel like a lot of players don't know you're supposed to share them upstairs that like it won't deplete faster necessarily that'll just make it to where you don't run out and i think that adding it like a bonus like you're talking about would actually be great it would yeah. probably actually encourage people to read the wiki and see that it recommends sharing them up top they they just need to make some fundamental changes with how those veins work in the first place too like the fact that somebody can just hit the rock once get get a pay dirt and then like ignore it yep. and then the next one's guaranteed to only be one that is that is so backwards that's just weird yeah i appreciate it for what it was you know by the time that i got out of prison and stuff this was already updated and in the game and i was like you know i appreciate it for what it is but i'm at the point now where i feel like it's the perfect balance of not quite afk enough and not quite enough xp yep and yep. i don't have any friends that want to run volcanic mines so i'm just kind of you know yeah toughing it out that, that that's definitely it i i even suggested like what if there was a you know like um whatever his name is prospector percy imagine he had like a a a a more advanced reward shop sort of that's like the more nuggets you get you actually like speed up the mining process so like the longer you're there ultimately like the more xp you'd gain so like if, if that's like your chosen like favorite mining method the longer you're there like the faster things inevitably go not just like beyond just leveling up but like i don't know maybe you could get like two pay dirt per mine or something some unlock i don't know but. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like a, or maybe swap it in for a little bit of bonus XP, pest control point style with the nuggets. Yes, yes. Because I'm gonna have the construction cape soon once I stop being lazy, and I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna need to make another house tab after that. So I don't know what to do with my like five thousand soft clay that I bought from Percy. See, that would be it. That would, that's a great idea. Having like a reward lamp that you can buy with um those nuggets. Just mining would make lamps. Mining that much less of a headache. But yep. I mean, I also am aware of the fact that saying things like, you know, oh, I wish that this could be slightly more XP per hour is quite a hot take with a lot of the community. Yeah. I. Although that would still be worse than Volcanic Mine. That seems to be like kind of the dividing line for a lot of RuneScape players is like, as long as faster XP exists, they don't care if there's a slightly chiller way to get a little bit better XP. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I think the I think motherload mine does need to be looked at. I think it needs to be the, the XP per hour could be slightly increased. I think that's totally reasonable. But I just uh, don't like mining, man. I don't know why. Out of all the skills, like I prefer agility to mining. Is that crazy? Am I weird? Well, have you done? Once I got any the sepulcher, sepulcher. It was on. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. I green log sepulcher. I love agility now. <laughs> bruh, bruh, sepulcher that's is some of like, my favorite content. Period. It, it's like you you don't even have to pay attention to the agility XP. It's just, it's just no. so fun. You just exactly, ignore, dude. You that's ignore what I was it. telling my stream. Exactly. One time I, I remember doing it and doing it, and I was so focused on getting to the coffin a couple times. I looked over and I had like 80k agility XP. I was like, this is great. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That was like passive as far as my brain was concerned, but it's also the best XP in the game. What the fuck? Yeah. That that is like literally the pinnacle of great skilling updates. It's it's like almost perfect. Dude, I had to finish my 99 agility at RD because iron, and I was mad. 
Like <laughs> I shouldn't have even done Sepulchre first. I feel like that last 500 K on RD rooftops was miserable. I was like, <laughs> I just want to go to Sepulchre and swing my ropes. I yeah. just want it. I got yeah. spooned two rings by 110 KC. I was loving it, man. Yeah. that No, I'm same. I, I spooned a bunch of rings in the early uh, early laps. I think my first one was like 14 KC. It was like a week after the release of it. It was just like Ooh, balling out, dirty. basically. That's probably like 100 mil then, a week after release. Damn. Yeah, Iron Man, by the way. But yeah, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Good point. Doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, but real talk, uh, like those, those are like the updates that give me hope for skilling. Absolutely. Yeah. I like high intensity for good reward, good XP. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I even like the fact that you can trade in some of your rewards for XP. After, you know, after I relogged that I stopped looting everything except for Grand Hollow Chest, I got 90k XP an hour on agility. Jeez, yeah, that is amazing. And let me also just emphasize, like it's, or emphasize, it's not the high intensity that matters. It's like the funness factor. True. I mean, you can True. literally just make granite mining on steroids. Uh, granite mining is already too much in my opinion and in most people's opinions. There's just, well, if, if granite mining, you made like, let's just say a mil an hour doing it, then we could be talking, you know, we could be like, okay, yeah. this is actually a profitable method. No, you're literally sitting there just fucking dropping everything. It's horrible. Zero profit. You're just yeah. gaining the XP and nothing else Yeah, it's, for the, for the whatever goal. Yeah. That is backwards, too. That is like an ancient philosophy of like skilling, like the highest level skilling can't be profitable. Like, what the f- what is what? that? Is yeah, the, the know, most man. backwards thinking? I started in 04, man. I just remember all my friends used to actually mine coal and stuff. I remember my buddy saved up 119 coal. I mean, 119K, sorry, worth of coal. And I just remember, like, okay, I'm not going to even lie to you. I tried to get him to trust trade it to me, which I'm really <laughs> glad he didn't because he ended up being like a, one of my best friends for years and years. And I even ran into him recently. But, um, man, he had 119K strictly from mining coal. And it wasn't even that long. You know, it was like a week. Jeez. A week of a kid who goes to school will mind up that much. And I also thought that he could buy anything in the fucking game, bro. bro. I was like 100% positive that he was rich enough to buy anything. Dude, that, that, you, that directly correlates to, like, your success in life. If you could have, as a 10-year-old on RuneScape, mined that much coal and been dedicated and focused enough to do that you could fuck you you're you're set like you're he's a highly successful yeah. car salesman now holy shit yeah that's very great. entrepreneurial guy i like him man he also logged onto my account and did dragon slayer for me and didn't screw me over or anything the first time ever and so i'm really 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 like i'm so glad that i didn't that guy didn't trust trade me that money man i almost screwed up a really bad friendship being a little kid yeah the fucking trust i would have never known Oh, if he'd have done it. And the worst part was back then, I didn't know you could like log out and hop world. So on the off chances that I'd scam people, which was usually like boots or a cape, I would just take off running. <laughs> just haul ass and not log out or hop or nothing. I'd just be trying to juke them around fences and stairs. I didn't know any better, man. Just be taking off and they'd be following me. But I, I don't know how long ago this was, man. But I know when I first started playing, which was uh, August of 2004, if somebody was following you and you did the, the dance emote, it would moonwalk them at like running speed. And so it was a really easy, right when I first started playing, to scam people because if they followed you, you just dance and they'd be halfway to Faldor in two seconds. That's oh, that was great. Awesome. Bro, the fucking trust trade arc, man. Like that, that was the meta back then. Just everything was like trust games. Like, come on, guys. Know, like, everyone's man. like, you know. If you're really my friend, yeah. you'll trust me with that 119K that I'm absolutely going to go immediately lose. I don't even know why I bought with it. <laughs> I have no clue. I didn't know what to do with that much money. I just went psycho. All of a sudden, he went from my friend to my op, you know? When I saw all that much money, I, I just couldn't do it. I was frothing at the mouth. And now it's funny because you go to Hydra in the modern age on your Iron Man or whatever and pull several million coins in cash. Bro, the game is it's, it's, it's a different game entirely. 
I mean, that was before Slayer, so I think that skilling was just like almost exclusively the moneymaker, right? This is late 2004, I mean. I mean, even early old school. Early old school, you lost money doing Slayer. Like Wow, man. You, I mean, yes, you could profit pennies if you wanted to, and you just meleeed everything, didn't use a cannon. But back in the day, it was like you set your cannon up in Neve's cave, you shoot fucking everything, and... I miss that. I miss just, Neve's cave. I never yeah. saw it. I mean, like, one of the best, like, th this was like the typical drop table. You're killing fire giants, and every 128 fire giants, you get a rune skimmy. <laughs> rune and that scimitar. was insane. <laughs> that was insane. Like, holy shit, I got the rune sim. Like, let's fuck. Sweet, I got a prayer potion. Yeah, no, literally. Basically. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just a completely different day. I mean, seriously, when I started my Iron Man, getting, like, a rune med was amazing. Like, that was, I mean, I guess you can still kind of feel that in early Iron Man, but I just remember. Oh, sure, sure. I don't know. I mean, but at that time, it was a little more prestigious. With how long you've been playing Iron? Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, then they started making like because I'm trying to think um, the time span. So when did you get out of prison? I got out and actually got the, the time that I finally got to get on old school was Christmas Eve of 2017. So right before okay. Tob release, right around Dragon Slayer Two release. Wow. Yeah. I, in my opinion, 2018 was like the golden year of OSRS. Dude, getting out of prison at the time that I did for old school RuneScape was the hypest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, <sighs> Bodhi was popping. Like, that they were doing World's First Top, and I had no idea what was going on, man. Like, Zulu was killing it. He was top, and he was talking about my case and stuff like that. And, man, it was wild. It was a crazy time. Like, watching Theater of Blood just blew my mind. And I remember making a video saying, I will never, ever set foot in that psychotic tornado of content. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's going on, and if they can't do it, I can't do it. But now I've got like 300 KC on my iron, you know. Wow. Stick with it, peeps. Yep. But man, you're you're absolutely right. Like just watching those, and also I had just learned about you know Chambers of Zerik was the only raid at the time that I got on, but my mind was just boggled at the thought of a raid. Like I was like, what did they bring back dungeoneering or something? And they were like, no, man, this is a raid. But it's it's basically dungeoneering, but it's yeah. a raid. <laughs> yeah. No, they they they've pimped out this game. I mean, we're we're still living in in what I would consider a golden era of OSRS. They have. Yeah. I completely agree with you, man. And I have to say also, at the time that I got out, I can't tell you how flooded the subreddit already was with games dead, game will be dead in a year, <laughs> updates trash, everybody votes yes, all updates pass, game is over. <laughs> like, I I was, like, born into the old school RuneScape culture with that. I'm sure they've been doing that since the very, very beginning. Yeah, that's but, um, <laughs> Just a few days ago, man, I was honestly thinking, I have to admit, I was a little bit of an old school RuneScape purist the entire time I was in jail. Now, my little brother is still like this. We started playing in 04, you know. Uh, he's got his pretty hardline ridge. He and I were kind of of the impression, and I say was for me, he still believes this, that if they'd have basically left RuneScape the way that it was, that it would always have enough players to be profitable. It was the way that we saw it. Mm. And the other day, man, I was really thinking about it, and for the last two years of my stream content, I've only exclusively been grinding old school content that did not exist at the time of release, you know? Yep. Like, it's what kept me going, man. It's what got me here today. It's what's got me... I mean, even I'm at Motherload Mine right now with my Infernal Cape on and my Crystal Pickaxe. Like, all this old school stuff, you know, that's unique to the game that kept me going and kept me hooked. Like, I'm so proud of what they did and what the player base did while I was gone. Yeah, there's something... Like, so many of us still play... I feel like just a, a little bit of why we play is the nostalgia factor at this point. Like, definitely, vast majority is just... We just want to have fun. We want to have cool updates. We want to have some cool PVM, you know. But um, there are, like, the occasional players that are those purists. And, you know, I feel like the only avenue you can really enjoy the purist game mode is 
doing like a fucking free to play UIM or something where like shit <laughs> literally never gets updated. Yeah. But, I mean, even yeah, you want to be an OG old school or do that. Yeah. And I've talked about like what, what would happen if they did come out with an old school, old school that wasn't meant for everybody. It was just meant for like those purest players. So it wouldn't get updated at all. Maybe some bug fixes, maybe, I don't even think they'd have to deal with bots, honestly. Like, there just wouldn't be enough people playing that mode. But for the people that truly wanted that purest experience, it's just old school at its original, like just the original old school, basically, with no updates. Like, you're thinking basically like day of release for this version of the game, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. No God Wars even yet? Yep. Yep. Wow. Pretty much. And I'm, I, mean, I mean, the thing is, I would play it as an alt. I would 100% same. play that shit. I would too. I wouldn't stick with it long term, man. It would get old, but it'd be a nice little side flex for me, a little dopamine on the side, yep. you know. I, I think a little nostalgia push. I think it would be one of those things where, like, you play it for a season, you play it for a few weeks or you know a couple months, you burn out, but then it calls you back. You know, every like few months, you'll be like, okay, like that'd be kind of fun to log in and just see what the hell's going on, because you would have like traditional bank sales and stuff. It'd probably be like some fucking rune light setting that's like Zybez basically <laughs> where you know you're just trying to because if if i were to play an old school old school what i would do is i would just farm hard clues and i would like try to merch third age like that would be my calling in that game like i would be <laughs> that i would be that guy that like takes the third age market seriously and everybody would be a main too there would be no such thing as iron man like i don't know that'd be interesting be filthy stinking rich like the old days when those people just had hella mega rares yeah i mean it's crazy though when you think about like original old school though because the flexes were not a zuck helm they weren't an infernal cape it was your 99s like that yeah. was the flex dude wow that was good point those those are the i mean dude getting a 99 in any skill you could fucking wear that cape on your back and be a total giga chad like it was impressive to get 99 so you go to your 99 parties like if anybody had a 99 party that was big I got a buddy of mine that shortly after old school release posted a YouTube video of him getting 50 woodcutting and he had like 30 people there. (laughs) (laughs) We were kind of on a different scale a few days after release, I guess, but he had apparently been doing nothing but woodshop and he was like, you know, top 100 or something. He got level 50 and all the boys were there to throw down and pop champagne. (laughs) Fucking A. Yeah. Oh my God. I was pretty happy for him though. Don't get me wrong, but I saw it and had to have a good laugh. (laughs) I mean, coming back to it, man, I absolutely think you're right. I mean, a lot of the player demographic has shifted. I think that at the time that I got out, somebody told me there were like five or 6,000 players, and there's like, what, 20,000 some odd now? You yeah, know? yeah. Including myself before too terribly long, I guess. I'm at 2252 on my iron, so. Okay. Um, we're just, it's worlds away from where it was then, man. And I've been loving it. I'm aware of the fact that tons of people are super, super anti-update, and oh, the community's getting soft, and now that the player count is high, everybody votes yes on everything, but... I've loved it. When I first got on old school, I did not dare go to the continent of Zaya. I refused. I bitched about it. I griped about it. I wouldn't go under any circumstances, man. I was like, no, that's that new school, easy scape, RuneScape 3, all the old stuff we all said back in 2011, 2012. I wanted nothing to do with it. And it grew on me, man. I had to give it a chance, you know, try what the devs are doing and see what they had. And especially if I wanted to raid, you know. And the thing that finally sold me which didn't honestly disprove me. The reason I didn't want to go is because every single, and this is this is a little different now than it was back then, but particularly for Irons, every single training method, period, for low-level players, they were like, go to Zaya, go to Zaya, 
go to Zaya, it's the best. Go to Zaya, go to Zaya, go to Zaya. And it just disgusted me, man. I was like, isn't this what we used to hate? Like everything meta, one spot, one activity, basically circling around this small area. I was super, super salty about it. Um, and then my friend wanted me to charge my DFS when I finally got 75 defense. And he brought me into the catacombs and ran me past the dragons. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> That was before Bottle Dragon Breath, which apparently came when I went back to prison. Because uh, oh, yeah. I don't remember Mount Karum at all before, during that little brief session. So, long story short, by the way, I got out in September of 2017, got ankle bracelet and got to get on RuneScape like Christmas Eve of 2017, um, and grinded really hard until February when I was then sent to um, rehab as a part of my probation. And upon coming back, I was out for about 40 days, once again grinding RuneScape all day, every day. Uh, when I failed a urinalysis for alcohol and marijuana and went back for another year and a half. So. Oh, my God. So well, there's, like, holes in my runescape there, you know, once again. Okay, so I want to get a briefing of the whole thing, but can you just explain the feeling that you were, like, what, what you were feeling when you were sentenced back for a year and a half? Oh, I was disgusted, man. I, I, the... <sighs> I don't know how to put it without sounding sick. like I'm reading too much into it or like being a conspiracy theorist, mm -hmm. but the entire air of the room to me felt as though they were acutely aware of the internet uh, picking up my case a lot and that the case had kind of, you know, gone a little bit viral and was kind of making them look stupid, you know, and, um, and I was very much loud and proud saying everything that they had done. Um, and the way that the judge just smirked at me, he gave me a five minute speech about how clearly I had not changed at all. Um, like, man, you gotta be kidding me. Like I had so much, I can't even ever begin to describe how much I changed my first time in prison. Although I guess I changed more the second time to be fair. Um, to hear him say that man, and just basically not listen to me. I, he had his mind made up just like he did the first time. It was devastating though. I had just gotten into a relationship with an absolutely oh. beautiful girl and, um, I really was trying, man. I, I, it doesn't sound like it, and people who aren't addicts probably won't understand. But I just had to fall back on what I knew. Because when I got out of prison, man, it was great, and it was the most exciting time like of my life, basically. But everybody was broccoli haircut, lit base, salt fam, man bun. You know, Twitch is a thing. Like The, the entire it, slang of the country was different. And it had not permeated into prison culture. So like there were times where I literally didn't know what people around my age were saying to me. Because I was that out of touch, you know? Jesus Christ. So, so I ultimately, regrettably, fell back on what I do best. You know what? How about I get a bottle of liquor and sit in my room and watch YouTube and try to catch up on these memes and stuff and just, like, almost mourn what I've lost while I try to catch up on this, you know? And it, it went downhill. I got caught for the urinalysis. <sighs> um, thankfully for me, the girlfriend that I had at the time ultimately did ride out with me and wrote me letters every day and kept me eating commissary and... She is now my wife and the mother of my two kids. It all worked out fine in the end, you know. But um, learning that I had a year and a half more to go, I mean, it was just sickening. Technically, it was a year prison and six months halfway house. But, I mean, come on, that's a year and a half of no freedom. Oh, my God. And, uh, I mean, I was tangled up in that mess from 19 to 28. I mean, you know, I'm 31 now, maybe 29. It was about 10 years for a stupid prank. And, and I just realized also that we didn't really dip too much into it. Um I can give the brief TLDR as far as recommending also that you go watch like a Crumb video on it after this beautiful podcast. Uh, Crumb did a better video on it. Crumb knows more about my case than my lawyer does. And I'm sure that you know who <laughs> Crumb is. Yep, Jacob yep. Crumb. Yep. He, he knows more about my case than my lawyer ever bothered to know. Like Crumb needs to be an attorney because he can do research. And he came to his own conclusions and read through the lines, including things I never even talked about. 
but that he figured out had happened. You know what I mean? So wow. he's got a great, great deep dive on it, guys. Before somebody comes in here copy-pasting some segment about my ex-girlfriend testimony or something in the comments, it, it's going to happen. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, have, I'll have Crumb's video linked in the description for those listening, so I'll just have it down hey. there for you guys to listen to. It is a great one. He even included like my drummer from prison in the intro and some of his videos, and it is great. Amazing. Um, but the, the TLDR of it was I was a neckbeard Kyle back in 2012. This is right before EOC came out, so I was already on the verge of quitting the game. Um, and I was drunk playing RuneScape with a friend of mine that I met on 4chan who had an interest in serial killers, which is what the big crux of this case was, is that my family has degrees in criminal justice and they're pretty interested historically in serial killers. Not like a, we've got posters of Jeffrey Dahmer on our wall, but the psychological aspect. How can somebody become so distorted that they think things like this are okay? You know, it's just always kind of been a admittedly morbid interest, if you will. Anyways, that's how I met him was in a thread regarding serial killers on 4chan. He started talking about RuneScape. He told me to download a video game that made fun of the Columbine shooting in 1999. I looked it up on Google, decided it was in bad taste, and told him, nah, man, I don't really think that's, you know, that's not really where my interest is. I'm not into, like, ridiculing the situation. I find it, like, interesting from a psychiatry point of view. At which point, another player at the Grand Exchange, not a good place to have this argument, um, walked up and called me a dumbass and told me that if I'm going to talk about Columbine, then I should call him on the phone and log out of Minecraft if you get what I'm saying. Um, to which I then responded, oh, bro, I'm totally going to log out of Minecraft. But first, I got to bring some people with me. And I said a stupid date. I was very, very drunk. And I was much more of a troll at this time. Uh, the internet was kind of ramping towards its peak toxicity that continued. The trend seemed to continue upward after I went to prison, like... Maybe peeking out around the Ice Poseidon era and Filthy Frank. The internet continued to get more toxic, but I was definitely an early part of, you know, mm -hmm. that little. And and having spent a lot of time on 4chan, I guess that my sense of humor was a little dark. Anyways, I said that I was going to replicate that video game. And I even said a day, and unfortunately that day was a Saturday. Not that the feds gave a damn. that It was literally impossible for me to do what I said. Four days later, the FBI, the SWAT team, and the bomb squad showed up, crawling all over my house with the huge AKs and the guns and bomb dogs that I didn't even know existed. I'd only ever heard of drug dogs until that point. But they had, like, bomb gasoline-sniffing dogs. Jesus. Um, and ultimately, I was sentenced to six years for transmitting threats to destroy buildings by means of fire and explosives. Yeah, and before anybody says, oh, well, he must have done something. Yeah, I thought that too, man. I was, I was green and naive about the, the criminal justice system. Before I went to prison, I thought, you know, bad guys go to prison, good guys don't. And if the cops ever catch you up in something, all you have to do is explain yourself. And, you know, they'll let you off the hook as long as your intentions were good. I was wrong, man. I was wrong. They used about every trick in the book. They smooth-talked me out of getting a lawyer. Um, and from the time of my arrest to the time that I actually was ultimately sentenced 17 months later, where I sat in my local county jail for 17 straight months, um, like a crumb video will give you a more accurate number, but I think 40 or 60 mass violence acts happened in America. So, uh, talk about bad timing, you know? Oh, my God. I, uh, when I said that threat, nothing major violent had really happened in a long time. There was, like, that Aurora incident, the Colorado Theater, you know? Mm. That happened. And then before that was, like, VTEC. So, this wasn't, like, you know... I understand that in today's climate, that is a much, 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 much more serious and touchy subject, you know? Mm -hmm. But the issue here is that I kind of made the, and I, I hate to call it a joke, it's more of a prank. Joke implies that there's actual humor behind it. The only humor was him getting mad, which makes it more of a prank yeah. or a dick move. Um, the, 
the only like that when I made the prank, it was just that transitional period where violence ramped up in America really, really bad. There was tons of pressure. Multiple va- mass, uh, mass violence uh, committers had left red flags all over social media. You know, their first and last name, and said they were going to do it, and all this. And the feds were really under a lot of pressure. Like, why didn't you catch these guys? Um, and they said, "Hey, well, we have a rune scapegoat here." Would always like to refer to myself as the RuneScape goat, not in the goat way, but <laughs> yeah, a scapegoat from RuneScape. And um, yeah, they threw the book at me, man. I got a triple upward variance, meaning that my recommended sentence was anywhere from a year and a half to two years, and the judge sentenced me to six. Oh my god, dude! Did you at at any point? Because I've I've definitely heard some podcasts, um, you know, where like things are happening where they're falsely accused of something or, you know, they're going to prison for years and like psychologically they are in disbelief that any of it's happening. In fact, like it's almost in some, you know, in in some scenarios that I've heard, like people just almost think like, okay, like surely this isn't actually happening. Right. Even when they're in jail, they're just like, surely like any day (laughs) now they're going to come to their senses. Yes. Take me out of here. How was your, how was your whole thought process on that? (laughs) <laughs> no, that's an extremely common, you know, to be totally honest with you, man, that it, it's almost going down a rabbit hole to even say it. But like, I personally believe that every single person almost that's serving a life sentence still has that seed inside of them somewhere. Uh, I think that's why they get up and do what they do every single day. But um, yeah, man, especially because like, I knew that there was some general outcry from the internet about my case. Like once they found out I didn't have any weapons in my home, I took my first mental exam, which said I wasn't a dangerous society. Like all these exculpatory factors that should have showed that this was not a serious threat. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they were continuing to ignore it. And so there was this certain degree of outcry, which I felt like rather than say, okay, we did our job and checked it out. uh, The feds dug their heels in and said, no, 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 we got to prove he was really going to do it. We look stupid. People are getting mad. We have to cover our asses here because, you know, they're what they're asking why we locked up this 19 year old that didn't have any weapons and we kept him in jail for a year or whatever. And I feel that um, I feel like that knowing that that was going on outside really did help me in that regard. But like. It's almost like nothing. The the moment that I consider it to have all become real to me, if you will, that probably sounds weird, but I think you understand considering the nature of your question. The moment that it really hit me was whenever I was transferring to Butner, North Carolina prison, where Bernie Madoff, the Ponzi schemer, was um, for my second mental evaluation because the first mental evaluation said I wasn't dangerous. So, hey, guess what? The feds filed a motion and said, no, 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 that mental evaluation doesn't count. He's not a certified blah, 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 blah. You know, because it was a good fucking mental evaluation. So they said, we request a federal one. Well, when I finally got talked into pleading guilty by my attorney, because the law at the time said, if you make the threat, that's the crime, which has now been changed. The bar has been raised. But uh, after he taught me into pleading guilty, I stipulated to the mental exam. I had nothing to hide, you know. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go prove I'm not crazy again. Um, and when I was transferring to Butner, I got I landed at the infamous Atlanta Transfer Facility, which is one of the oldest jails in America uh, that has been added to and expanded onto for generations and generations and generations. It was formerly the single most violent prison in America, actually, when it was a federal penitentiary. Um, and that shit looks like Lumbridge Castle on top of Faldor Castle, fucking on top of Finkenstrain's castle, dude. <laughs> it is huge, and it is billowing and smoky and terrifying, and that's when I was like, yeah, nobody and nothing can get me out of this. Like, this is this is real. This is really going down. Like, I'm sitting here with full-body shackles on on a prison bus pulling up to a castle. This is, this is real. 
And I, I can't, I don't even know why the smoke was billowing out of it. I don't know what they were burning in there, man, but it had some very, very spooky vibes. And it just looked very, very sinister. And uh, it's got like quintuple razor wire, which is evidence of what a high security prison it used to be. They just never bothered tearing it down, even though it's now low security. It was so violent, basically, that they shut down the high security part of the prison and scattered all those inmates to the wind and made it into a medium security prison and brought in, brought in lower risk inmates because there were too many people dying. Holy um, fuck. It is 23 and 1. I don't know if you've ever heard of 23 and 1. No. Or if you've even heard of the YouTube channel, Lockdown 23 and 1. No. Uh, that means you get one hour out of your cell a day. 23 hours, oh you're in a very, very God. small room with a bunk bed and a stranger and a toilet sink for 23 hours a day. And uh, every five or six hours, they open the flap and push some English peas that have no salt on them. <laughs> like floating in water through the bean hole, you know? You just got to hope you're in one of the cells with no roaches. It is like very, very much like... Straight up illegal condition, uh, living conditions, if I had to guess. But the federal prison system is at 153% capacity at the time of my release, so it's not like they have a lot of choice. Oh my god. But that was kind of the moment where I was like, you know, nothing's getting me out of this, nothing can help me, nothing had sunk in. I'd gotten in trouble up to that point, man. Fist fights, getting caught with weed, drinking, you know. Typical Kyle teenager stuff. And in one way or another, the system had always handed the punishment over to my parents up until then, you know? Yep. That didn't happen this time. They took it on themselves. They were like, nah, nah, nah. Nobody can get you out of this, dude. You're serving your time. Um, and yeah, getting to Atlanta was where it was just like rough. That's where the, going from county jail to Atlanta is a vast difference. Um, county jail is chill. It's the non-felony inmates most of the time, you know, for the most part old child support fines and tickets and stuff. You know, they're just trying to relax and play cards. Transfer facilities is where everybody's on their max flex because they might not even see these dudes again. They're trying to get reputations. You know what I mean? They're they're seeing the most people from the most prisons. So that's the time to act up. Because, you know, does that make sense? Yep. Um, and the feds, the, if you're doing a long sentence, the odds of you running into multiple inmates multiple times is very, very high. Even whenever I went back on violation, I went to a totally different prison. There were like seven people there that I knew from the last prison I was at. Like, it, they call it Big Feet. You've been to a lot of places. You travel around a lot. Um, and so people act really, really ignorant in Atlanta for that purpose. Like, they're real, real, you know, trying to boss people around. And there's a lot of fights, a lot of violence. And then the, the other side of that, somebody just asked if I'm a bot. Sorry. Um... <laughs> I got to hit them with a no. <laughs> I, I guess these guys are having a conversation. If I don't engage in it, I'm a bot. Yep. Um, and he said, you're wild, bro, with the wrong you're. But, um, and then prison, <laughs> once you get to actual prison, man, nobody seems to really grasp this. But prison, if you have time to do, prison's the way to go. It, there's so much more to do than jail. Jail, you got a deck of cards, a pack of dominoes, and an old busted cathode ray, ray TV, you know. Like old nasty '90s TV, but in prison you can go walk around in the yard. You can go exercise. You know, do some pull-ups. You can check out a guitar, play in a band. There's so, so, so much more to do in prison. So if you got time to serve, you know, so that that means that I don't know how to put it. It's weird that the transfer facility has the most violence and ignorance. Interesting. That that is actually surprising. That like prisons preferable. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, the thing is, man. Like, if you're gonna Man, do you want to go to jail or prison? Like, if you have to serve time, uh, you want to do it in prison, you know. But, of course, if I'm doing a week or whatever, just keep me in prison, man. I can do that standing on my head, you know. Yeah. So, was it? did you ever feel like you were in danger in any of these, like, facilities? Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, n- not generally like? due to a specific circumstance. I mean, obviously, I got in fights and stuff. Most of the time, the, the one time that I really got paranoid that something bad was really going to happen to me, like, something that might end my life was due to me doing drugs when I was first locked up. 
So mm. <laughs> that it wasn't anything real, if that makes sense. You know, I see, I see. Uh, the first two years of my incarceration, I was not acting right because uh, I was innocent in my mind and I was letting it eat me alive. And the ex-girlfriend testimony that's covered in the Crumb video, like I didn't know why they lied about me and I felt like I was serving somebody else's time. And so I was doing drugs and kind of getting in trouble and stuff, you know, and um, I got tweaked out. Now, of course, you got to get in fights. But 99.9% of the time that you're getting in a fight, nobody's pulling out a knife. Nobody's calling their gang over, you know, as long as you don't haul off and go punch some gangster, mm-hmm. in which case this whole gang's going to come raining down on you. But, like, if it is a gangster, either go talk to a shot caller or, like, you know, if he bows up on you, then it's fair game. But um, you got to get in your fight or two. I wasn't ever too terribly scared of that. Uh, he busted me with a left hook that I did not see coming, and it knocked me on the floor. And I was... I was pretty certain he was about to start stomping on my head or my neck, but uh, he had a lot of honor, and he asked if I was done. And I was like, bro, I mean, shit, don't stomp on me. And he helped me up and was like, all right, respect. Damn. We hashed it out and split up, and we both had pretty good injuries. And I had to go to visitation, actually. Three days later, that guy was my cellmate. But um, I do remember whenever I realized that he had punched me so hard that I hit the edge of the bunk and fell over, I was like, oh, shit. This this could be really, really bad, because in prison, there's no... There's no coward. There's no cheap shots. There's no rules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no honor about fighting at all. Everything is fair game. A dude doesn't care if you come up and start literally murdering a guy with a sock and a, a lock and a sock. They don't care. It's, not, it's fair. So he had an honor that he did not have to have. <clears throat> and three days later, like I said, he was my cellmate. He actually ended up being one of the best cellmates I ever had. Damn. We didn't like each other before that. Once we duked it out, it was all good. Yeah, that kind of yeah, that I could imagine. Oh my god! So, w- what was like your worst cellmate? Was there somebody that was like genuinely terrifying? <laughs> okay, so not not really terrifying. I wouldn't say. Okay, well, there's two different ways. When you say terrifying, that changed my answer. One time, I was in the shoe, the special housing unit, like the lockdown hole. It's supposed to be solitary confinement, but you have to have a cellmate. You know, it's the whole overpopulation thing I was talking mm. about. <laughs> Excuse me. And they put a straight up schizophrenic guy in there with me oh. i have nothing against schizophrenics man i understand that it's a disease that they cannot help i'm also acutely aware of the fact that the feds don't want to pay for their medicine they don't want to give them the medicine they don't want one more person they got to hand pills to it's too much of a headache they would rather lock that dude in a small room with a different human and let that guy figure it out so um he did this thing repeatedly that i called short circuiting where he would repeatedly tap his dick tap his chin shake his head slap his face and touch his dick, like, just over and over this weird, like, like a fucking second baseman trying to, or third base coach trying to tell him to steal. You know what I mean? Like, these secret signals. Yeah, so I'm already edgy, man. I've seen schizophrenic people snap out in jail. One time there was a new schizo guy when I was in county, and when everybody was asleep, he got up and filled a sock full of toothpaste tubes, a little jail toothpaste tubes, which are really sharp, and just went wailing on this guy's face that had not said a word to him, dude. Like, they had not spoken or interacted at all. But, I mean, that the guy can't help it. It's his mental disease, you know? Um, so I'm already on, like, my haunches here. Like, no, nah, hell no, nah, they did not put this mofo. The second that the, the, the cop opened the door, and they're not actual cops. That's just slang for CO. The second the CO opened the door and that guy walked in, I immediately was like, bruh, hell no. He had the what the fuck eye, I call it, where one of his eyebrows is like two inches in the, higher than the oh other one because he just looks confused and scared all the time. Oh like, he had the crazy look. I was like, bro, no. Um, that night when we were filling out the commissary list because you get a limited commissary in the hole, mm-hmm. and this is when I was like thoroughly convinced that he was super duper crazy. Um, at nighttime, it's pretty popular for you to like drape a towel over your lights in the shoe because they don't ever go off. And so you'll take your little pink issue towel, you drape it over the light, it puts a nice soft pink glow in the room, you know? When it's time to fill out commissary, you lift the towel up on top of the light because the top of the light is solid. There's no light getting blocked, you know what I mean? 
Top of the light, no light is emitting. The light only comes out of the bottom of the light. Mm. That's important here because after I lifted the thing up, he goes to file his commissary list and he says, hey man, can you please take that towel down? I can't see my commissary list. And let me tell you, brother, I mean, the light is on is 100%, as bright as it gets. You know, and I was like, uh, brother, there's no holes on top of the light. Like, the the light only comes out of the bottom. And he was like, yeah, I, I know, but I, 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 I can't see. I, I can't see it. And I was like, brother, well, if I take that towel down, it's going to make no difference to this light in this room at all. And he was like, could you just please, please, could you just, could you take a, could you, I mean, I almost sound like Milton. You ever seen Office Space? Yeah, yeah. Miss Stapler, Miss Stapler. <laughs> um, so finally I took it down and he's like, okay, that's better. And I was like, nah, 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 man, this dude's crazy. And, and I don't even care, man, if there's any ex-convicts listening to this, they're going to say this is a bad move, but I straight up don't care. I'm not about the prison life. The next day when he went to wreck, uh, the CO walked past my door and I said, hey, you got to catch that dude out or I'm about to beat the shit out of him, which I, I didn't want to. You know what I mean? That's how you got to, that's how you have to talk to the COs. Like that's, they legally like have to do something if you say that, you know, I was like, dude, I'm going to beat this guy up if you put him back in here with me. And he was like, do what? And I was like, man, don't play games with me. You know that motherfucker's crazy and needs to be in a cell by himself, bro. I don't got nothing against him. But if that's what it takes for you to separate us, I'm not sleeping in the same cell as this guy. He's going to snap out and kill me or something, bro. I can't relax. Like, I no. I get prison's not supposed to be relaxing, but it's also not supposed to be trapped in a small room with a schizophrenic guy. <laughs> and the dude just looked me in the eye and was like, all right, roll him up. So oh I rolled up the dude's God. bed and put it on the door and the cop opened the door and got the bed. And moved him out, and I was like, I appreciate it. So that's like what I would say, like the most dangerous celly. The worst celly I ever had is the only cellmate I ever had who played RuneScape. Is that a coincidence? Interesting. Okay, let's hear the it. The only celly I ever Now, he was um, like a year or two older than me. I'm 31 now. And let me think, I was like 26 or 27 when I was at uh, Forest City, low security. Um, that prison is way different. When I went back on violation, they sent me to a low security. And I hate low security. I thought I was going to be super, super happy there because I've been at mediums the whole time, like medium high security, you know? No, at a low security, it's like open bay cubicles with 150 men. And that's it. And the lights go out at 10. And there's just like the junkies and the addicts and the schizos all just walking around free all night. There's no protection. There's no getting away from anybody. There's no locked doors, you know? <laughs> Not to fuck. quote Friday. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, bro. It's, it's wild. When they turn that light off, it's like a whole different different game in there, man. It's like it turns into the city at night. I'm not even joking. You the sketchy <laughs> shit comes out, the tattoo guns, and the, holy shit, man, it's wild. Um, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Like, if you have a good cellmate at the medium, and you know, when that door locks at night, you're good. You are 100% golden for you know eight hours, whatever it is. I used to always tell my cellie I didn't even have to use my AK, which is that ice cube. It was a good day. And um. <laughs> But, but man, I, I usually use fake names with this stuff. I mean, what the hell are the odds this dude's ever going to see this? The dude was Dan, bro. Well, they're doing a lot of speed, shall I say. Well, um, Dan, to afford all that speed, was doing laundry, bro. Like, I mean, 24-7, man. That's all that dude did was sit there with a laundry bucket, like doing speed, doing laundry, doing speed, and doing laundry, all up in the laundry bucket, you know? And he was such an absolute goober, bro. And I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of, sounding kind of bad, but, like, he was raised in a house with just his mom and his two sisters. And, like, he had a very, very passive-aggressive way of talking that does not fly in prison. You know? In like, he, like, like, that sarcastic, like, semi-manipulative, like, well, I guess I'll just go, huh, 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 huh. That shit doesn't work in prison, man. You got to say what you mean and mean what you say, you know? And so when he catch an attitude like that, he gets slapped a lot. And, <laughs> uh... Get, get himself in a little bit of trouble. You know, you can't have a smart mouth in there. Everybody expects basic levels of respect. And he was raised in a very, very catty household. And so that was kind of his default response. And um, that that I would say that that's the worst somebody I ever had for two reasons. One, because he would bring dirty bags of laundry into our cell and leave it in the corner until he could wash it. 
And I'd be like, bro, tell them to keep it until you're ready to wash it, man. Don't bring that shit in our cell, you know? And then um, another time me and him actually did get physical because he said something smart like that. And that's just kind of what you have to do in there, man. Even if you don't really like violence, there's certain things that somebody says that you have to swing off on them. And Dan just never seemed to grasp that he kept saying those things. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I had dozens of cellmates across the whole time. Some of them in various levels of insanity. That's that's the two that I'll be... That's the only time I ever had a physical altercation with a cellmate in all my years, and it was right at the end of my sentence. Isn't that crazy? Jeez. I'm a very chill guy to get along with, I feel like, man. I don't like fighting people and shit like that. I mean, I, when I first got locked up, I was young and knuckleheaded and arrogant, and I had already got the arrogance slapped out of me by the time I was 22 in there, so I was, you know, a lot more humble, a lot more chill, just trying to do my time. Was... So... I'm also just going back sort of to like the psych psychological kind of standpoint you were at. Like, what did you spend your time thinking about when you were like alone and there wasn't anything going on like at night and stuff? Like what, what did you like most, I guess, think about maybe like crave, like just thinking about like leaving prison? Like what, what, what was going through your head most of this time? Sure. Um, I, I view it as two ways. Cause you, you, you're absolutely right, man. You end up with a whole lot of quiet time. And depending on what kind of quiet person you are, quiet time's not good. And I personally believe that that is why so many people in prison get involved in gangs and get involved in drugs is basically to shut their mind up, if that makes sense. Mm. I've always said that there's two different ways to go insane in there. You got to pick one. You can go insane in your head thinking about all the mistakes you made that got you there and all the dumb shit you did in the past and what people probably think of you and the mistakes you made. Or you can get tied up in the nonsense of the day-to-day -day life in prison. And most people choose the latter, it would seem, you know? Um, I feel like maybe there's a certain degree of accountability that has to be had if you're combing the mistakes, but I unfortunately did opt more for the combing my mistakes. I say unfortunate, but it's really fortunate, man, because I did ultimately stop making excuses for myself and blaming everything on everyone. But, um, the number one thing that really got me through it and that I really focused on was music. Uh, they had MP3 players in there, very overpriced and a dollar 55 per individual song with no deals for albums or anything. Um, and I got a couple music theory books and I dove into rock and roll. Like there was no tomorrow, man. Like I, I, wow. I can't even describe it to you. I played guitar about seven hours a day for at least three years of that entire ordeal. Wow. Were you able to just freely listen to music then? Just like whenever? Yeah. As long as you had your uh, MP3 player charged up. Yeah. The, the charging ports were out in the day room and it was kind of collectively guarded by the inmates because you could use those little charging micro USB, mini USB, not micro, micro USB. God, then I said it. You know what I mean? You could yeah. use them for various things like battery packs for tattoo guns, so it was kind of self-regulated by the inmates. But yeah, yeah, as long as it was your MP3 player, man, you could you could do whatever. You could have it in your cell. You could have it on the rec yard. It didn't matter. And um, that's how I learned how to play by ear, and like I really, really got into bands I had not checked out that much, like Nirvana and Alice in Chains. I got deeper into Blink and a lot of pop punk and grunge and 80s rock even. Wow. And I played in cover bands the entire time. Thankfully, every prison that I went to had some sort of a band program. Like, they had a drum set. And a, if not an electric guitar, they at least had, like, an external pickup so you could turn an acoustic into an electric, which sounds bad. But, man, fuck it, bro. It's what we got, you know? And, that's um, that's cool. I mean, that that's I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, again, I, I'm very ignorant when it comes to, like, what's all available in prison and stuff. But that's... Yeah, it was... They try to keep you out of the trouble, man, if they can help it, to a certain degree. Mm. It benefits them, in my opinion, and this is going to sound a little conspiracy theory. It, in my opinion, it benefits them more to have us against each other versus them, if that makes sense. Mm. But they still want to incorporate enough things to, like, cut down on that. I see. And all the guys who were seriously involved in music, none of us were in gangs. None of us got in trouble, dude. Like, that's all we want to do is go out there and rock out. I was so, so glad to get there. My, all three times that I arrived in prison, at the actual prisons, I was in a band on my very first day there. Damn. Or actually four times, I guess, if you count Butner.
That's pretty cool. So, like, what are... I'm, I'm trying to, like, think of how to phrase this because I'm just imagining, like, myself in your boots and, like, what I would be, you know, potentially thinking. Like, what is something that you definitely took for granted in your mind? Like, you're just thinking, like, man, I really didn't take my... Like, I, I didn't... I took my freedom for granted so much and like just thinking about like being totally free. Like what, what were the things that like, I guess you took most for granted about not being in prison when you were in it? education, man, really education. I was completely, and Lord, forgive me for saying this, man, I'm going to sound like I got no compassion, but I was surrounded by fucking idiots, man. These dudes would come up to me and Hey, Hey spider, let me, let me borrow your uh, world almanac real quick. I stopped lending it out because people stopped bringing it back. And that was like my Google in there. And I'd say, what do you need to find out, man? They'd say, I need you to look up. Did Jennifer Lopez get an ass reduction? <sighs> Brother, I just don't think that's going to be in the world almanac. Do you think that's going to be in the highlights of 2004? <laughs> Jennifer Lopez gets an ass reduction? No. You know, like, and also everything that everybody says is just made up. Just, there's no fact, man. They call it inmate.com. And so I craved, like I, I saw how I had had an environment. Even I dicked around in high school, man. All I want to do is do drugs and flirt with girls and act like an idiot. You know, what I thought was a cool rock star guy. And little did I know I was being a moron. And um, what was I saying about being just, a dumbass in high school? Just sorry. ignorance. It was all about like you just hated the, the ignorance that was around you, basically. Yeah, like, man. That's what you craved, just the education, right, right. I, I just, I, I thought back to like, man, I was sitting there with a grown ass adult that was an expert in their field laying down facts on me, you know? And, and I just somehow yearned for it, man. I saw that I enjoyed learning and I enjoyed knowledge. And once I was surrounded by a complete and utter lack of it, that's when I saw it. I read a ton of books while I was locked up, several hundred books during that time, including County Jail, of course. Like if the door was locked and I couldn't play guitar, I was reading something. Wow. Writing songs, reading, what, and studying music theory. What what kind of what kind of books did you uh, read? Was it all nonfiction? Oh man, oh, I read everything, dude. I okay. fucking read everything from. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X like three times. That actually had a huge impact on like how I served my time. Mm. Um, everything from that to fucking man, I read Fifty Shades of Grey for Pete's sake. If it came under the door, I would read it, man. Got to keep my mind occupied. I read every single Guitar World magazine for like five straight years and Rolling Stone, several magazines. I like, I've got a freakish repository of musicians and what bands they're in, what roles they play and stuff like that, just because of reading so many magazines for so long. So if I had words on it, man, I was reading it. Being out of prison, do you still keep up your reading and stuff? Or is it just there's no. so much more going on in life now? It's just you just can't even... Too much going on, man. I'd like to return to it someday. And it helped my vocabulary immensely, man. I, I look at videos like from before I went to prison, and I just sounded like such a stereotypical Southern stoner guy. Very <laughs> limited vocabulary, man. Bad enunciation. I mean, I still have an accent, so my enunciation's not great. But mm. like back then, it was just bad. It was like I knew 30 words, it felt like. And most of them were cuss words or something about weed and guitar. <laughs> it took a lot of, uh, a lot of introspection, if you will, you know, and... Another thing that I really took for granted too, man, was the fact that like I had had opportunity to work. I, I had made all these excuses. I didn't see it that way prior to prison. You know, like for example, the house that I got raided in lit is about not even one mile away from the absolute epicenter of my hometown where all the businesses are, you know what I mean? The best restaurants, like it's, it's the popping spot. It's right within walking distance. And yet my big excuse was that I didn't have a car. Somebody, my, somebody had to help me get a car so I could get a job. I didn't have a job, so I didn't, could have, couldn't get a car. Like, you know what I mean? It was just this circular, mm. stupid logic of deflecting the blame. And I didn't see it that way because I was trapped in it. When I could have got my happy ass up and walked. 
If I really wanted some kind of change and, and not to just make excuses and sit there and drink and act like a total bum, then I could have changed it, man. Just education and employment were the two things that once you absolutely lack them, because if you get a job in the feds, man, you can go in there, a job, for example, sweep in the kitchen, you're going to work five hours a day, sweating your ass off in the hot ass kitchen with a bunch of inmates yelling at you and trying to get people out of the way and being disrespectful for uh, nine cents an hour. Nine cents an hour. There's no such thing as uh, there's no such thing as minimum wage in prison, bro. Uh, I haven't verified this myself, but I've seen it reposted a lot. So don't quote me on it. But if I'm not mistaken, there's an exception to slavery in regards to punishment. So take it with a grain of salt. But that would explain why they're legally allowed to give you no sick days, no insurance, no benefits. Nine cents an hour. If you don't come in, you immediately get fired. Holy and, uh, shit. I could go down a whole rabbit hole about that because at Talladega, Alabama, where I spent most of my time, the Unicor, which is the pro the federal program, Unicor is when basically the feds open up some type of a workshop inside of a prison. And yes, it is exactly how it sounds. Um, they pay inmates about five to ten cents an hour for making the military's clothing. So, oh my god, yeah. So and and nine to ten cents an hour, like like do the math on this real quick. Where, where do the inmates spend that nine to nine to ten cents an hour that they make? I mean, for you, it was probably just a fucking song like every few days or something. Yeah, but. true. <laughs> but it, but most people get commissary. Most people turn around and give that money right back to the prison, paying triple price for commissary, like like four dollars for a box of zebra cakes because it's prison. You get what I mean? So more or less, if you're following me here. The United States government has outfitted their entire military and clothes for a couple truckloads of zebra cakes. Jesus Christ. Kind of seems like a pretty good incentive to keep, to you know, have a, have a good prison population, if you ask me. Oh, they're thrilled to make $100 a month once they finally get to Unicor. Like, it's straight up brainwashing almost. By the time you get to Unicor, they're like, you make $100 a month. After you've been scrubbing floors for $13 a month for six months, you're like, oh my God, I can't imagine that kind of money. It's a very gradual and intentional thing. And like I said, man, I mean, it sounds conspiratorial, but... Everybody can feel totally free to look into it. I'm also Damn. under the impression that there's only one or two prisons in America that can function without some type of inmate labor. So take that as you will. Wow. What was your like know. favorite, I guess, food or snack? Now that you brought up zebra cakes, I'm just imagining there's got to have been huh. some things huh. that you just crave. Man, fucking doo-wops, bro. It's where you take a honey, honey bun, like an icy white honey bun. Like mm -hmm. a, what do you call them on the street, man? Frosted honey bun. Okay. Call them icy whites. Um, and you crunch up a bunch of M&Ms and pour it on it and you either put peanut butter or you can stack up some Hershey bar slices on it. And let me tell you, buddy, I would like to see a grown ass man make it all the way through a doo-wop. You can't. <laughs> Halfway through, you go into diabetic shock. Trust me. But man, is it good for those first two and a half bites? Oh my God. So like, what did, what was like the average, I guess, like meal for you? I mean, was it all just pea soup, like fucking nasty nah. stuff? Or did you have some, some good meals? Now, thankfully, the uh, the feds actually have what's called the standardized menu, meaning at any federal prison that you are at, you're going to have pretty much more or less the same food. Okay. Like, it might be slightly different vegetables. It might be slightly different this. But, like, the the patties, the chicken and such, the main course of it. And I've still got to memorize, of course. Tuesday is chicken patty sandwich. Wednesday is chicken on the bone. No, nah, Wednesday is Happy Meal. Sorry. Wednesday is hamburger and french fries. Thursday is chicken on the bone. And then Friday is some type of fish, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a Catholicism thing. But I'm not positive. Mm. Um. And so, like, those... Now, one of the fish, for some reason, like, the baked fish patty wasn't that bad, but, like, every fifth Friday, it was, like, this weird, watery, boiled fish filet-looking thing that was two bites. I would say, overall, the food was... I mean, it was... <clears throat> it was edible. 
It was food. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you have to eat it. To this day, For in prison, it's so much better than county jail. I can say that much. In prison, they at least have some incentive to cook it right because they eat it too. In jail, they just like the, the trustees just make themselves a grilled cheese and just like piss in the pea pot. You know, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another point about the food, but I forgot it already because I was thinking about dudes peeing in my peas. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm hopefully not correct about. Oh, um, and also at Mariana, Florida, for some reason, one of the VTs, like the vocational trainings that you can do there, kind of like learning to weld, learning to forklift, they have those, but they make you jump through hoops for them, and they also encourage you to stop showing up to class. Because if you stop showing up to class, the prison still gets money for every person that enrolled. So there's this massive push to get people to sign up for it, and then they basically stop telling you when and where to show up because it's easier on them, and they still get the money. They care to actually teach you. But Interesting. Um, but they had a VT for baking at Mariana, Florida. And so everything bread related was street level, like bakery level. They, they would like two days a week, we'd have bear claws for breakfast. And I mean, they make your eyes roll back in your head when you've been eating prison food for that long. You wow. Know? I mean, you just, oh, dude, I, my mouth is watering now thinking about it. They were that good. Like, I mean, just pristine <laughs> level, bro. And like every other morning for breakfast, nobody would get up. And on bear claw day, it'd just be this madhouse. Like every single inmate is up going to get it. And also they had like good rolls, everything bread related. Cause they had a baking program. That's cool. Were, were you able to like eat as much as you wanted or did you have like a certain amount that you were limited to? It depends for the most part, 95% of the time, so over 90% of the time you got to take what you get. Um, Unless they have like either some leftovers or sometimes a salad they'll put out on the bar. And when I say mm. salad, I mean chopped up lettuce. But then they'll just put that out on the bar. And then you can grab a little bit extra of that. But the thing about that is, and this is like an interesting to me, truly, this is an interesting like human phenomenon. When they have some leftovers that they put out there, the first guys that get there will fucking load their plate. I mean, like, with there's no possible way the human being could possibly eat that serving, even if that was your main course, right? And they ultimately throw it away. And it's this very interesting thing about humans that when there's, like, a limited amount of something or they feel as though they might miss out, they will seriously overstock yep. to the detriment of others. Yet that same guy, maybe not him specifically, but in general, uh, if he saw somebody fall in front of a speeding train, he would probably try to jump down and help them. It's just weird. I don't know how to put it, man. It's like... I, I, I don't know. There, there's just this like looking out for number one aspect, particularly in there, you know, but I feel like people do that in general. So, you know, if you weren't one of the first ones in the chow line, then you could be screwed over on getting extras and you got to eat some commissary. Let's actually, okay. So there's a, there's a Twitter topic somewhat related to what we've been talking about. Um, Ev Meister asks, what was the most memorable facility for you um, where time was served? Hmm. Most memorable, man. I mean, they all stand out in their own ways. Yeah, I guess it would. Uh, I hate to always give non-answers, man, but I guess it almost depends on how I look at it. I would say, in general, my most memorable is Talladega, Alabama Federal Correctional Institute, the medium high security that I was at, largely due to me having spent the most time there, but also because that was my first place to actually serve time. So, like, I can still, I still remember the creeped out vibe, you know, when I got there and like being scared a little bit and not knowing what to expect and kind of walking on eggshells for the first couple days you know um so i'd say probably talladega it's also just like super super dusty and dirty and the guy if i'm not mistaken the guy who built the prison like you know got contracted to build it ultimately got sued by the feds because he skipped tons of steps in the prisons and so like we kind of live in substandard conditions sometimes like if your water stops working then it can take them like a month to come in there and break the wall (laughs) and get to the water pipe um so just the riddle being riddled with issues 
also remember that it was infested with uh like like uh larva during the rainy season. Just just Talladega, man. I just I look at it as I don't know, man. I don't know if you've ever seen a clockwork orange, but when he gets out of prison, he basically says like even though he can't wait to get out, he knows that there's going to be times that he missed because it's always like that when you get used to a place. Mm. And so as much as I feel this like darkness in my soul when I think about that time that I spent there, man, at the same time, I can't help but think about like my friends that got me through it, you know, and playing in the band room and still the positive experiences too. And out of the friendships that I made while I was locked up, Talladega, I definitely made like the closest friends. Wow. So, and I learned what friendship was. I don't think I knew what friendship was prior to being incarcerated, honestly. Like I, I, I had friends. I had tons of friends. I thought they were my best friends. And months after getting locked up, I suddenly realized like I didn't know their middle names. I didn't know their political or religious fi- affiliations. I didn't know their hometowns. I didn't know these people nearly as much as I thought I did. It really was just that we all kind of liked to do the same drugs and had similar senses of humor. I didn't really have any friends. And when I was in prison and my buddy came up to me with tears in his eyes because he had just gotten his divorce papers... Uh, from his wife, you know, and he's serving 20 years and he's never going to see his son or his wife again. That's how you learn how to be a friend. You know, that's how you got to be there for somebody. That's that's being a friend. I learned about it. I use that example a lot because that was the moment that I realized not only was I completely emotionally unprepared to help him. um, But that I needed to like I needed to get there. I needed to. I was lacking in my friendship department, you know, like I started trying to think of what I would need. Even if it was just some dude sitting next to me going, bro, that fucking sucks over and over again. Something, you know. Whereas historically, if my friends had an issue, and I didn't think of it this way, man. A lot of times I would just kind of let them deal with it or I'd just kind of blow it off or ignore it. You know, I wasn't really there for them. If they wanted to go, like, get in a scrap or something, yeah, come on, let's jump in the Jeep. But what do I know about being there for them in a tough time? You know, or like they lost a family member or their wife's divorcing a man. That's when I learned about, like, the beauty of friendship and that that finding love in situations like that will really get you through. And I know that sounds corny as fuck, but I do consider friendship to be love. doesn't mean romantic love, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's under that umbrella. And, um, so I almost have like a little bit of nostalgia for certain times, man. There were parts of that bid where I was really in my groove at Talladega. I had no issues with anybody. Everybody knew who I was, you know, that's the guitar man. I'd get up in the morning. I'd smoke my little K2 stick. I'd go out to the band room and hang out out there all day and joke around with my buddies and make the best of it. The best that we could. Damn. And so I definitely, I, I, yeah, it, it's pretty clear to me that I guess Talladega is the one that I remember the most. It had the most impact. Um, Mariana, I was just so stressed and anxious and trying to work things out with Karis and not lose touch with her in any way or lose grip of her, you know, if, yeah. not grip, that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Like mm. trying to make sure that I stayed involved with her and working that out and navigating that and that I barely even remember my, my violation to uh, Forest City. And the Mariana, the main thing that I remember about Mariana is it is a yard specifically for people who have crimes that means they can't go to normal prisons, as well as gang dropouts. Mm. So when I transferred there from Talladega, it was because I joined a residential drug abuse program because I knew that I was going to relapse when I got out of prison if I didn't get some kind of a grip on it and get some help. And so I truly did sign up for a program in prison to try and get a grip on it. You know, it's like a very intensive, almost like AA year long program right before you get out. And, um, when I transferred there, I was in receiving and discharge where all the inmates arrive. And the guy was like, welcome to Mariana, Florida. If you just got off of that bus, that means you either have a very short sentence and you live in Florida. You are a sex offender. You are a gang dropout or you're here for the drug program. And the only guy on our bus that was from Florida was serving like 20 years. Oh, I'm sorry. And did he say, or a snitch is what he said. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I looked around and I was the only one going to the RDAP unit oh, and nobody God. else fit. Yeah. Nobody fit the criteria except for me. Like I'm just looking around like the meme of the, the, the monkey guy looking back and forth. Like, uh, I'm going to RDAP. <laughs> well, what the fuck you guys are in here for? But like, they're super, super screwed up, perverted, nasty, evil people at that prison. But there's a trade off, right? You got to look at these sick fucks every morning, but nobody's getting stabbed at that prison. There's not a bunch of violence and a lot of politics. Everybody wants to stay calm, keep it cool, and stay at that prison. There's no politics, you know? Interesting. Jesus Christ. So it's like a trade-off. You got to look at these sick bastards every day, and you can't ever go to, like, a a high-security prison, apparently, because if they find out that you did walk the yard with people like this, then you'll get stabbed, you know, or whatever it might be. Fuck. Um... But I didn't care. Like, I was just like, that's a trade right there, man. It's it's sweet time at Mariana. The door rolled at night, and everybody was laid back. So, damn. that's like the bonus side of a dropout yard, if you will. You know, they're, they're all screwed up because they did something nasty and terrible, or they snitched on somebody, and they can't go to other prisons, so they don't start any trouble because they know they'll get physically injured. You said earlier that, like, when you were in your, um, like, w- when you got into reading, you read stuff from Malcolm X and that like really helped you. Was there anything in like particular that like kind of still sticks out to you that like really helped you out? Yeah. His big, um, his big sentence that really impacted me. Um, he went to prison for about seven years for a crime that should have carried about two. It seems like it was because there was a white girl in his presence. And during the time that he got arrested, that was a big no, no. Um, and during this unjust sentence that he was serving, towards the end of it, he changed a lot. And one sentence really got me. And I would like to point out to everybody that I was an atheist at this time. I am no longer. I'm one of the only people that's ever come back from it. I don't really talk about it all that much. But at this point, I was an atheist. So don't fucking turn your nose up at it. He said, turn your cell into your school and your monastery. And that one sentence right there changed the entire way that I was looking at it. Like he had this paragraph about how at the end of the day, if you can get your mind right, it's a blessing. You don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about providing. You can spend this time bettering yourself. There's no reason for you to walk out of prison worse or even equal to how you went in if you're using the time appropriately is what he said. And he said, you need to turn your cell into your school and your monastery. And I knew that he meant like, even if you're an atheist, whatever it might be, Christian, Muslim, it doesn't matter. What he means is get right spiritually. Stop holding the the negativity, you know, and your, and your biases Get your mind right and educate yourself and come out better than you went in. And I firmly believe that he did that. I mean, I didn't go as far as he did. He copied the dictionary by hand to help with his penmanship and vocabulary. I didn't go that far. I just read a lot. But that line right there, man, really changed. That that was a big turning point for me. The funny thing is the first time I read it, I was in county jail and it didn't really apply to me as much yet. I just thought it was a very interesting book. But I read it again when I got locked up and I saw that and I was like, oh, man, I've been doing this all wrong. Wow. Okay. Um, it's going to be controversial, of course. There's going to be somebody down there that doesn't know anything about Malcolm X's later life. Like, why would he read Malcolm X? But it's okay. If they don't know anything about him, let them judge, whatever. Okay. Uh, Ev Meister's second question is, how did you meet your wife? Oh, man. He probably already knows this because I get asked this a lot because it's kind of a meme in my little community, man. But she was at the mall. I was at the halfway house. I had just gotten out of prison. We met October. I'd been out of the halfway house for a month. And because of, I did an interview with silent core after I got out and it kind of went a little viral. And from that point forward, pretty much most of the employees at the halfway house told me that I was not going to have any trouble out of them. So they had made it clear to me that they thought that my case was stupid. They thought I was a nice guy, you know, and they were kind of giving me a little bit of birth. And so what I used to do is I would tell them that you have to have a job at the halfway house. You got to find some kind of a, some kind of income and give them a cut of it. Hmm. And I told them I was going to go to the mall. There's a tons of places to find jobs at the mall, you know, 
And I, you know, I was, I was like 25 at the time. You know, I was like, I'm young enough, you know, I'm trying to readapt to society. So I hyped them up on this. Like, I'm going to go to the mall, get a job. And there's tons of places to look so I can look a lot, bro. All that you have to do, they give you a piece of paper with five signature spots and a time on it. And all they do is like, you have to get five people to sign saying you asked for a job. So as soon as I got to the mall, I would walk into five different stores and say, Hey, are you guys hiring? And they would say, go fill out an application online. And I would say, thanks. Can you sign here that says I asked? And they would sign it. <laughs> 10 minutes later, I've now got six full hours to just sit at the mall and do whatever I want. So I was walking around the mall, chilling, catching up. You know, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, a female friend, strictly platonic female friend for what it's worth. And, um, I actually walked past the woman that is now my wife with her best friend. And, um, I heard her say something and I turned to look at her and I thought she was drop dead gorgeous. Like I was like, Oh my God, she's kind of emo. I'm kind of emo. You couldn't tell I was emo. I had a man dark haircut and I was wearing a polo cause I was ostensibly job searching. <laughs> like theoretically I was there for a job. So I looked like the biggest nerd ever, you know, like I looked like I was max bro. And, um, <laughs> And so I told, I told my friend on the phone, I told Laura, and I kept walking past her, and I was like, oh my God, I just saw the most beautiful girl in the world, and I have got no game. I have not, I have not laid the Mac since 2012. Like, I don't, you know, it's been a while. I think, I think your boy here is a little bit rusty. And, and she goes, just walk up and be interesting. And so uh, I had done this before, and I regret it, and I've gotten rusty at it, so please don't ask me to replicate it. But I walked up to her, and I spoke to her with a British accent to get her attention. Oh That's my what I God. did. I just walked up and jumped right in and asked for some directions to a place where I knew exactly where it was. Unfortunately for me, her friend stepped in front of her and gave me wrong directions. <laughs> it, like, I knew exactly where I needed to go, and she pointed the opposite direction. And then, of course, <laughs> I have to walk that way because I just asked for directions. But, um... But, um she gives me directions, you know, and I kind of stared down Kara's, who's my wife, for a minute, you know, kind of giving her the side eye a little bit. And then I basically said thanks and walked off. I get back on the phone with Lauren, and she's like, did you just fake an accent and then, like, not even ask for a number? Like, you're not even going to tell her you're not really British. Like, that'd be funny at least. Like, you can't just do that and walk off. And then at the same time, I'm having qualms. Like, what did I even do that for if I'm not going to try to talk to her more, you know? Like, so just to, to look at her for a second? Like, at least you can tell her later, like, hey, look. Honestly, I was just being stupid. I was trying to get your attention, you know. Um, up until that point in time, almost every single American girl I'd ever met thought British accents were super sexy. Karis <laughs> doesn't. She's not particularly attracted to accents, unlike most American girls. I mean, I'm sure she thinks a hot guy is a hot guy, whether or not he's British, but the accent doesn't, like, make them hotter like it does for most. She gave me her phone number. Oh, yeah, so I'll walk back anyways, yeah. And I was like, um, could I have one of your phone numbers, maybe? And thank God the girl pointed at Karis because she was like, I have a boyfriend. And uh, Karis gave me her number. She swears to this day that I took it down wrong. That's what she says. Okay. I've got one foot in both boats. I, I think she might have, you know, misspoke on purpose, possibly. She swears she didn't, though. Um, and to be fair, I know her a lot better now. We've now been married for years. And she's a pretty straightforward and blunt girl. So she probably did tell me, and I was just too nervous and took it down wrong. Mm. So I broke the rules. I texted her like eight minutes later. She didn't text back. I texted her again like, like 30 minutes later. She didn't text back. And I was like, I think I got the wrong number. I tried to call it. A dude answered. I was like, yeah, that's not her. So I called Lauren, the friend that I was on the phone with, and I was like, hey, listen, this girl's got a super unique name the way that it's spelled, and I got her number wrong. I don't know what this InstaChat thing is. I need you to find her on InstaChat so I can at least like come clean about not being British or also be like, hey, I got your number wrong. If you don't want to talk to me, that's fine, but just in case you offered it and I took it down wrong, you know, that's on me. Um, Lauren eventually found her. 
I made an Instagram for the first time specifically just to message Karis. Um, and she did not like me at all. We talked on the phone for like two days <laughs> while I was faking the accent, just kind of flirting and being funny, just kind of feeling it out, not really sure what I wanted to do and kind of being too scared. Um, and then ultimately she said, hey, I just want you to know I'm not interested in you like that. She had no problem telling guys this because she got hit on all the time. And she was like, hey, I just want to tell you, I don't see you like that. And I'm not looking for anything romantic right now. And um, I'm sure you'll find that person for you one day, which we love to quote now. I'm sure you'll find your person one day. You know, that's yeah, that, that worked out great. She was closer than we thought. Um, and uh, surely so I, she said we can be friends and I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I'm, I, I'm not one of those guys that's going to try to pester a girl. I'm not one of those guys that's going to try to weasel in and circle back to it. I'll pretend to be her friend and maybe she'll fall in love with me like the comedy movies. I know that shit doesn't fly. Um, I was like, okay, um, I'll be honest. I'm not interested in being just friends with you. So I respect that. I appreciate you not bullshitting with me and I hope you have a great one. You know, that's legit what I told her. Like, I was like, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate you being straightforward. I'm going to be straightforward with you and say I'm not interested in being just friends with you because I'll be drooling every time that I'm near you. I didn't say that part. You know, but like, that's what I was thinking to myself. Um, and I ended up going to rehab. Now, keep in mind that I had sent her the silent core interview to tell her that I was American. That's kind of how it all popped off. I sent her that silent core interview. She told her family, which is hilarious now because her dad said that boy's dangerous. You need to stay away from him, which is probably the point in time where she decided she was going to marry me. (laughs) If I had to guess, that's probably, that's the last thing he should have said. You already know that's the worst thing he could have said. So funny. But I went to rehab, man, after sending her this, you know, and showing her I had 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and I had not made a video yet because people subscribe from the from the Silent Core video and stuff. And I went to rehab and dropped off the face of the earth for 90 days. When I got back, like two days, couple days after I got out of rehab, I finally got my phone back. And out of the blue, she texted me and says, hey, what's up? And I was like, kind of being short, you know, because I was like, you know, I thought I was pretty clear that I'm not trying to play the string along game. And I was just like, hey, not much. Uh, and she was like, what happened to you? You dropped off all social media. You never posted anything. And I was like, I got forced to go to rehab for a little while, but I'm back now. And, um, later that night I asked her if I could call her and, um, she ended up putting it on speakerphone and we just listened to music and texted each other. I know that sounds kind of corny, but we we both love music a lot. We we're very, very serious about music. And, uh, she showed me a lot of music that I really liked. And that was really attractive to me. Like there, I was like, there's no way she's smoking hot and she listens to pop punk and stuff. This is so cool. <laughs> And, um, yeah, the, the, the rest is kind of history. Two days later, she came to visit me and we hit it off really well and had a lot of chemistry. And then, uh, a couple days after that, the feds showed up and, uh, it was actually on my father-in-law's birthday. And since she had now told him, you know, oh, me and this guy were kind of a thing, blah, 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 blah. And I had met, I had met them briefly and stuff. When I went back, he said it was his best birthday present. Best birthday present he could have gotten was me going back to jail. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't take it personally, man. I, I understand where we were at that time. You know what I mean? Now I'm the father of his grandkids. Like, I, it's all good. It, it was funny. <laughs> I laughed when it, when she told me that. She was like, my dad said this is the best birthday present he could have gotten. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I bet it is. I see. Oh I see. God. No hard feelings. So that's how I met her, man. And That's really cool. She wrote cool. with me through prison. She wrote me handwritten letters and emails every day because he got like a limited capability email system that's staggered. It sends out an email or receives one like every hour. Mm. Um, sent me money to keep me fed, man. And she was there to to get scooped up by me the day that I got out the second time. And it's been no going back since. Wow. That's crazy, dude. I wouldn't have met her if I wouldn't have gotten in trouble in prison even the first time. Like, there's so many circumstances led to it. If her name wasn't unique the way that it is, I wouldn't have been able to find her on Instagram. So many crazy factors led up to it. 
that's beautiful, man. That's just really cool. It, it is Happy interesting days, though, because yeah, like you really think about it. Like when you find love, it's like every single thing you like trace back the your your whole life course, and it's like this wouldn't have happened if not all of these things also fell into place. You know? Yep. Every single day lined up exactly how it was supposed to, whether we like it or not. Holy shit. That's the big story. I mean, I meant to TLDR it, but it's kind of hard to TLDR it when you start off with a faked an accent. <laughs> you kind of got to give a little more juice than that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, all right. He's, he, well, this here, let me, let me try to find, cause uh, his third question is something completely not related to it, but um, <laughs> actually, fine. well here, we'll just cover it. Why not? I'll, I'll probably miss it later, but. What are you most looking forward to from Winter 2024 Summit? Big change of uh, topics. Didn't we just have the Winter Summit? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, never mind. I thought, like, okay, never mind, yeah. Um, shit, that's a good question. I really don't know, honestly. It was all extremely hype. I, I know that's, like, a, a non-answer. Um, I probably have to, like, scroll through to try to actually pick a favorite. I'm truly not sure. I thought pretty much everything looked super duper banging. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, no, no, never mind. Fortis Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Uh, I'm say. happy about while Guthrie sleeps and it passed the poll. This is personal and probably a hot take. I'm gonna be a little sad if Ed kills Guthrie. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm gonna be a little salty. Not too long ago, I released a lore video on Guthrie and um, and I ended it, you know, when he goes back to sleep after the wilderness explosion. Because I was hoping that when the old school picks it up, he doesn't get smoked. But now, I'm just not sure. We got Sliske coming back. We will see. Varlamore in general, I think, is just going to be huge. Couldn't give too much of a fucks about the Wilderness update. I have a pure a PK sometimes. Um, but for my level, like, how the Wilderness is, is good. Because I'm not a good PKer. Mm. Loving Scurrious, by the way. Not necessarily the fight, just what it does and what it means for the game. Yeah, no, Scurrious was great. I was, uh, I was really happy that um, just it's... If you are endgame, it's just chill as fuck. I mean, you can yeah. just say If you got really good gear, it's yeah. a very chill yeah. boss. <laughs> Which I actually like. I I personally like the old school nature of just click boss. You wait till it dies, you know. It's just, yeah. There's bank and tank. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> no, I'm um, done with that, too. That's kind of how I've been doing it with my gear. I got the Torvon, Prey Mage. We're good. Yep. Uh, okay, here's his fourth question. Would you drink a beer with Prison Joe? Huh. Uh, I don't drink. I'll drink a Sprite with Prison Joe. I don't know if he uh, <laughs> indulges in the Delta 9, but I'll do that with him. You know, but I, nah, I don't drink alcohol. Um, I don't think there's any friend, celebrity, or otherwise that could walk up and be like, you got to drink a beer with me, and I'd really do it. I know that sounds super coward, and like, you know, people that aren't addicted can't understand that. Oh, he's being weak. He's got no self control. That's just a little risky for me, man. But I would love to hang out with Prison Joe. I, I don't know if he smokes dubs or not, but, you know, I'll provide a dub. I love Prison Joe. He's awesome. He's got a great sense of humor. We're, he, he told me that he thinks that we're about two of the only Southern content creators right now. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear you guys both have the accent. That's pretty thick. Yeah. So. I don't know if it sounds any different to y'all or not, but we have different accents slightly. I don't know if it sounds different to non-Southerners, but he's got more of a like a Texas area. <laughs> I don't think people can discern as much. Yeah. But I mean, I li I I lived in Alabama for like four years. The pr problem was I just never left my apartment. I was just sat in there playing RuneScape and streaming. So I never Good. really. It was funny because like my brother, like I was I was living out with my brother and he had a normal job 
So he started saying things like y'all and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you? Because we're from Oregon, you know, we just have like the boring accent. And we go out there and he starts having this different lingo and stuff. Also, okay, can you just tell me, is this real? Do do people unironically say chunk for the word chuck? Like you chucked a piece of paper in the trash. Do people say chunk? People say that's normally like old rednecks chunk it in the trash. <laughs> what yeah, just is chunk up with it? that? Yeah. Instead what is up chuck, with that? It's dude? supposed to be chuck, like throw it, toss it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear, yeah, I definitely hear people say that. Okay. That's not normal. Uh, okay. You're saying like heavy redneck, basically? Like, not. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the deep, like, uh, I'm lucky enough to be from a college town. <laughs> so I've got a mild accent. Okay. People from other parts of the country don't realize that. But, like, have you ever seen that? I, drink, I ate this one chili that set my mouth on fire, vine. No, the no. redneck. I ate this one chili, set my mouth on okay. fire. I had to drink a whole two liter Mountain Dew. That's a southern that's accent. It, that's it. That's it. And that's it. not even a deep, deep south. That was like a North Carolina accent. That's not even like like where you're from. Like when you were in Alabama. Yeah. I don't know if you were in a city or not. If you're not in a city in Alabama, I mean they're they're thicker than Mississippi, man. Yeah, I was so in Huntsville. It all just kind of so very, probably I like the, the most word surface was, level. Yeah. I thought the word. Okay, that's not too bad. Then. Hell, yeah. you weren't far from me when I was in prison. Shit, mm. Huntsville. I don't think is all that far from Talladega. Um, I didn't know the word was pronounced genuine until I was 19. So take that as you will. I thought it was pronounced genuine. Genuine. Which I now realize. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was pronounced genuine like the rapper. That's how a lot of Southerners say it. I've always heard it that way. Interesting. Oh, he's a real genuine guy. You know, it's just a wrong emphasis. Mm. It was pronounced genuine. Apparently I didn't find that out until relatively recent, (laughs) relatively late in life. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you guys just straight up don't say y'all. That is always kind of my yeah, Like you just don't hear people say that. No, just say you all. You or, guys. You all. Or you guys. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much you guys. Hey, you guys want to go blah, blah, blah? You that's wanna, it. That's yeah. it. You got, yeah. That's, all right. Interesting, that's man. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff, by the way. I'm always about like different cultures, different regions, different ways of talking. I love it. I love accents. I love slang. I've always been like that. I'm just really into like other cultures and stuff. I learned a pretty good bit of Spanish when I was in prison, just basically for the fuck of it, because I learned the foundations in school. That's cool. So I love that stuff. I love analyzing it. Southern accent is an abomination in my opinion, but hey. <laughs> sound like a bunch of inbred alcoholics in my opinion. I can't help the molasses, man. I, I got to go to like speech school. I, if I went to speech school, I've heard this before. If I got rid of the accent, I would sound like poison potion. So I need to, I need to keep it. There's nothing oh, wrong shit. with sounding like poison potion, but I got to have an identity here. Yeah, poison yeah. potion's got that butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I got to have the molasses. We got it covered. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Mike Dorito just says skateboarding. That's uh, real life friend of mine I grew up with. <laughs> we used to skate together. Oh, very cool. Do He's you, a fan of yours. Do you still skate? Um, I went out like a month ago. I don't have the wind anymore. I need to stop vaping. This is going to be my last year of vaping, period. I've been smoking since I was 14, and I've decided that if I survive this upcoming New Year's, I'm not going to vape anymore. Um, but I do intend to go skate. I ask him all the time if he wants to go skate. Look, hey, Chris, if you're listening... Hit me up, bro. Let's go fucking skate. <laughs> we got the best skate park in the South, man. I'm I'm eight minutes away from it. Let's rock. I need somebody to pick me up when I fall, bro. I'm old now. I'm 31. We ain't teenagers anymore. But yeah, I love skateboarding, man. It's been a huge part of my life. Like the three things that people have also always associated with my identity is RuneScape, skateboarding, and Blink 182, and kind of the Beatles to a lesser extent. Not exactly the most Chad things to be known for, but I don't give a fuck. I can't help what I like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So yep, uh, yep. skateboarding has been a huge part of my life. I was stunned to see the progress it's made since I got out of prison. I think every generation of skaters thinks that theirs is like, it can't get much crazier than this. I was wrong. We used to have dudes kick flipping and landing on walls. Now we have people kick flipping onto the wall and then kick flipping off the wall. So <laughs> the game's crazy. And shout out to Captain because he's dope. 
Yeah, it's crazy when you start getting like uh, that algorithm going on like YouTube shorts or Instagram reels and you start seeing the just skateboarders going crazy. I mean, like yep. there are some crazy things I didn't even think were, was like physically possible. Mm, they're pushing it. They're yeah. pushing it. They're, they do things today that I didn't think were possible back then. Like Jaws, he, he jumps off of stuff that's not supposed to be physically possible and he actually has it broken down to science. He's like, once I get to about 18 feet, I have to pop the ollie small. <laughs> Like he's got it down to a science, you know, he's like, I'll measure it. If it's about 18 and a half, then I might not try it. I might try a manual off first. Like he's got it. I mean, they just absolutely Holy taken shit. it to the science of how far they can push their bodies without injuring themselves severely. So as much as I respect that, it also is kind of like, damn, that's what it takes nowadays, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, there's no other way to get in this game. It just, it just happens. I mean, that's like literally everything, every single pursuit, yep. like chess is a big thing that I kind of got into a couple years ago. And it's like, bro, it's like the, the beginning of any chess match. You just have to memorize theory. I mean, it's just like the craziest. You just have to spend so much time just memorizing openings. That's all it really is. It's all just the science behind it, basically. There's not intuition comes in later, but for the most part, I mean, just the first fucking 15, 20 moves you're making is all just calculated. Yeah. Calculating and reacting. Yep. Yep. The same thing with RuneScape, actually. RuneScape PVM is literally all, like, figured out. It's solved, you know, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, it's solved. That's kind of why, I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Maybe I'm derailing, but that was kind of why, and I, I have to admit, I don't have my fang kit. That's kind of why I felt like I was a little not as into TOA. Like, as far as it being a difficult, like, I get that. I get the difficulty is, like, you know, the chip damage and all that great stuff. But, like, I don't know, man. When I run top now, I'm only at 300 KC. I'm not the best topper ever. I can melee Zarpus. I can web run and all that good stuff. But I've got like seven different weapons I bring with me. You know, I got my Swift Blade. I got my Chally. I got my Saildor. I got my Fang. Like, there's so much room for those little micromanagement improvements. You know what I mean? That that feels so good to pull off mm -hmm. once it's like solved like that. And I, I don't know. I just felt like once it was uh, Butterfly and Red X, that's pretty much the death of that. Yeah, Toa definitely has a different feel. That, that's, that's my least favorite raid by far. I even got lucky there. It can't be broken down. Wait, like sorry. the Inferno and Tob, yeah, yeah. it can't really be broken down and like, you know. It can, it's just, can. It's just, it's just there's, there's so much like freedom to it in a way. Like, I don't know how to really describe it, but like you have much more freedom, I feel like, in Tob. Like there's very, very, very simple mechanics overall for yeah. the bosses i don't Definitely. really know i really don't know how to like break this down because i've had these discussions before on cast like what is really fundamentally different about toa and tob it's like it's hard to put my finger on man it just feels it different, really is but yeah tob it just feels like everything's very simple like the like zarpus for example this shit's so simple but it's so fun yeah it's, it's so fun getting into like a rhythm and figuring it out and you know there's different ways to do it you don't have to do it a certain way but a lot of people in my stream also misinterpreted my months-long gripes about TOA as me not liking it. I don't really... Uh, it's my least favorite of the three raids. Mm -hmm. I would vote yes on it again in a heartbeat. I'm super glad it's in the game. I, I like the drops, That's all same. that good stuff. You know what I mean? Even if I don't particularly enjoy grinding it, I think it was great for the game. And I'm glad that they released it. And it's been huge for getting people into PBM, just like Scurrious will do. And I think that's a really important thing for them to focus on for the longevity and health of the game. 100%. I completely agree with you there. Yep. And I feel the same toward it. Like, I'm really happy it's in the game. I'm happy they introduced an invocation system. It's done a Love lot it. of positives for the game and for people getting into PVM totally. And, yeah, I think it's just for me personally, I just never I never got hooked into it. Right. I, got, I got hooked into Chambers. 
Like when I was doing oh, yeah. solo chambers, like I got sh- fucking hooked. Oh my god, getting that first solo deathless, man! I was like, <gasps> I felt like the whole. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Getting the four to one, and you realize you're actually in it, and you're doing it right, and you've done it for like twenty straight seconds. You're just like, oh my god, this is so satisfying, man! That's yep. some of the most fun thing to do in the game, in my opinion. Solo chambers. Yep, it's so addicting. It, um, despite all the runes, of course, which I, I enjoy a lot better for the rebalance, by the way. I think they did a great job. Yes. I uh, recently tried to do a solo challenge mode, and I found out that in order to glitch Vespilla, you have to be tick perfect, and it's kind of upsetting me that I apparently have to do 20-minute runs to find out if I get that one tick right, but I'm working on it. I love Chambers. <laughs> Wish um, the purple rate was a little bit better. I'm not sure if yes. challenge mode helps that that much. I'm w- totally on board with that, too. I've been yelling about that. Like, Can we please adjust these rates? inevitably raids four raids five raid six is going to come out like uh, we gotta we gotta make these changes to these drop rates for raids one or else i mean yeah i don't know toa is toa delivers i gotta say toa gives you the purples and if it doesn't you can fix it (laughs) you know you can you can crank it up a little bit try it a little bit harder with chambers yeah you could theoretically do that you could add more people scale it or whatever well you don't need to add people you can scale it but that just makes everything hit harder i don't know how to put it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you're still doing kind of the same techniques as far as i know and it doesn't really, I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem the same. Chambers rates, one, one in 31 or something, right? I think I'm getting one in 20 on my 300 expert TOA. That's a vast difference. It is. It is. It's. It, they're way too rare at Chambers, in my opinion. Um. All right. Prison Joe, or uh, not Prison Joe. Joe what Watermelon. Up, Joe? Now I'm thinking of Prison Joe. Cause I hey, I love Joe. Joe Watermelon. He's got uh, several topics, but... um. Okay. His first one is, did anyone else in prison play RuneScape? And you said, yes, that uh, one of your least favorite cellmates, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> was and, that the only person? Just the, yeah, I would met a couple people that had heard of it if they were younger. But keep in mind that when I got locked up and by the time that I got to federal prison, I had been locked up for three or four years before there started being people younger than me, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because I was so young when I went in, you know, it's rare that 19 and 20 year olds get sent to the feds. Yep. So there was very rarely anybody even in my age group, really. Most people were like at least five, six years older than me. And were just a little too old to have really played it. Um, but as soon as I mentioned RuneScape to that cellmate, and I think this is a little funny aside, his eyes lit up. And I've got a, I'm not trying to make fun of him. I just, I can't help it. Whenever I'm talking about people, I have to kind of talk the way that they talked. And he had a lateral lisp. And he was like, bro, you play RuneScape? You don't know shit about RuneScape, bro. <laughs> I had a dragon chain body, bro. I chopped you, and I was like, "Yeah, man, that was real pimping when you played back in 2006." I hate to tell you, those are alk value now. You know, he was like, "You ain't got, you don't know shit about RuneScape." I was level 104. I was like, "Sit the fuck down somewhere talking about some 104." <laughs> what do you mean? That was great back in like fucking 1923, bro. But you can't be walking up to me in the modern age talking about you're better than me at RuneScape because you had a fucking Legends cape. They don't fly anymore, God. pal. At the same time, awesome. like I was just joking because I respect his OGness. Depending on when he had a dragon chain body, you know that might have been a big damn deal. Yeah, real. That might have been a bigger was... accomplishment than I pulled off. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but he, I think he said like 06 or 07, so it wasn't like the you know right after Cal Fight Queen came out. Okay, okay. Because I was gonna say if he, was, if, if he was combat 104 in like 2003 or something, that'd be fucking talking. But yeah, know. I think he said like 07 ish, maybe. Which I mean, 103 wasn't bad in my opinion for that time. That was the number one thing when I finally got members at the end of 2004. I say finally. I'd only been playing for like three months, but it was a long wait. Um, was the fact that when I right-clicked in any in the Varrock uh, West Bank, everybody be green. And when I switched to members, everybody would be red. Like, everybody was high-level beast mode. Like, kick my ass. 
Oh man, I still remember the first time I saw a level 126. He actually was recently shouted out in a Moteplox video. I had no idea the guy was kind of famous. His name is Sax, S-A-X with spaces in between it. And I'd been a member for one day and he was, and I was walking around Artie just exploring. And uh, he walked across the bridge in full gilded with a gilded, I think he had a, nah, did they have gilded two hammers at that time? Surely they didn't. I don't know. He had some weapon I'd never seen before. Man, I hate to say it, bro. I followed that dude for at least 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh man, I was pogging my <laughs> totally off. That was, I was like one twenty six. Yeah, absolutely that, losing it. Wait, so, so like when I got into old school in like mid twenty fifteen, one of the most depressing things was realizing that Nightmare Zone existed, and like there were people that were level one hundred twenty two that basically just like the rest of their account, if you looked it up, was just total dog shit. But you, I hate and, it. In my eyes, I remember seeing anybody that was over like level one hundred ten as a literal god. Like when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah, and so and then see, they, yeah, like they seen, it. Ex- exactly, like all these like nightmare zone Andes, like it, it literally just was such a stain on the game in my mind. I'm like, this is forty four Slayer, yeah, combat it, bracelet yeah. one twenty two, <laughs> like total level six hundred fifty. With a, yep. I'm just like, oh my god, this game's no. I've been griping about it since I came in. They explained nightmare zone to me, and I was like, this sounds like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. This yep. sounds like a horrible idea. And I, I mean, and then at that time, especially you had to do it for imbues. Which, I mean, come on, does anybody do any other ways of the PvP arena? Are there any? Soul Wars, I guess. It's just like, God, that sucked, man. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't yep. feel like AFKing. It's not fun and rewarding to not AFK it. This is, this just seems like, this seems to me like a cop-out. Like, they were like, okay, look, we know nobody has time to play, so we're going to make a machine that makes you level 126. It was, you don't have to pay any attention. It was interesting hearing, because I had Matt K on recently, and he was... He put it into perspective a little bit more because in my head, I just want the integrity of the game to be like withheld at all costs, kind of. Sure. And again, I'm still I'm very liberal with my takes. I want the game to progress and, you know, get nicer and more enjoyable to play. And, you know, fun should be the focus. But he he pointed it out like the game was dying. Like Mm -hmm. they had to do some drastic measures like they had to do things that weren't, you know, in the spirit of the game mode really like ethical sort of but they had to do it in order to like retain the player base and so him, him describing that like i guess put things into perspective a little more like okay i can i can cut you guys a little bit of slack hearing this like the the fact that you felt it was necessary to keep something like nightmare zone in the game so yeah and, and they're always obviously gonna have way better perspective to that type of thing you know yes. and knowing what the game really needs than us totally. players who kind of have our opinions um in, totally I I got to say that I wasn't here during that era. I've been told that RuneScape Old School got down to like 10,000, 15. Uh, I think Matt said 20, didn't he? Like down to 20. I've heard people say down to 10,000 a day um, before GE, you know, and I would assume pre-Nightmare Zone, but I don't know for sure about that. And um, I'm just really fucking proud of y'all, man. I didn't get to get out until 2017 when it was on the big ramp up. Chambers had come out, you know, the Inferno was on the way. Theater or Inferno had come out. Uh, Theater of Blood was on the way. Like, it was a really, really exciting time, and fucking whatever they did in between worked. Yep. No, Because I came out into insane hype, and everybody was loving the game, and there were tons of Iron Man with, like, level 70 agility. I was like, why does every Iron Man have fucking stupid high agility? That was the meta back then. <laughs> Everybody's going to agility pyramid back then. <laughs> yeah. Every single Iron Man had 80, like, 70 plus agility, which was, of course, an impossible to achieve goal in my mind. Yeah, I mean, the dark days really were, like, end of 2013, 2014, but, I mean, I 
started September of 2015, and that was already when oh, there was right. a good little boom going. Like there was some and Slayer bosses back out. I mean, I I played normal like RS2 from 2004 to 2007, and then I quit for eight years. Like I never logged in. Wow. Yeah, I, I got a hell of a comeback. I love it. I I got super into like Guitar Hero and Call of Duty and Minecraft briefly. Like that. that was, those are my games. During those high are great and fucking stuff. games. Yeah. Those are great. Um, okay, he. His second question is, what prison stereotypes turned out to be completely untrue or true? Um, the fact that you have to join a gang, a lot of people think that, and that's going to depend on your prison, of course. If you're at a high security, then yeah, you're probably going to have to. But like for eighty percent of prisons, there is a large population of men who do not want to be in a gang. And unfortunately, this is going to sound you know paradoxical. But that's your gang. Does that make sense? It's called the independents or the peons. Like, you have to make a gang out of not wanting to be in a gang, and you will not get messed with. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, it's just it's the independent car, as they call it. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody in that, it's just like a gang, unfortunately, but it's like we don't sell drugs. We're not backing you up if you sell drugs. But if somebody tries to come press you, rip you off, or, you know, because, because you're unaffiliated, then we're all going to come back you up. But you're, we're not going to back you up if you're in the wrong. Like, a gang will go to war for their guy, even if he's wrong. But yeah. like an independent car won't. So that's like that's a big thing. Um, also, the old legend about walking up and punching the biggest guy in the room. That's a surefire way to just immediately get killed because <laughs> you don't punch people indiscriminately. If you hit a gangster, your ass is grass. They're going to play soccer with your with your ass. You know, you're going to it's not a good idea. You don't ever, ever walk up and hit somebody unprovoked. That is not cool. They don't care if you walk up behind a dude and hit him in the back of the head with something and cheap shot the shit out of him as long as you've got a reason. You don't mm. just fly off and go hit somebody because you're trying to act tough, you know? Um, so that's that's a big one, the big stereotype about that. Um, and one, let me throw in a bonus one that is absolutely true, is you are going to have to fight within your first week or two there. Somebody's going to come try you. They might be trying to you know get little props in their gang or whatever, but they have to find out who can get their shit freely stolen. So Holy shit. nobody cares if you win or lose that fight. Let me emphasize this. Nobody cares if you get the shit kicked out of you. As long as you go in there and try to stop them and you throw a punch and you fight, they don't care. They're going to laugh at you and they're going to say, boy, you were hitting every corner of that cell. But then they're going to give you an ice pack. They're going to give you a drink and say, good job, man. Hey, you stood up for yourself. And you've got respect. They don't care if you win or lose. I can't emphasize that enough, man. It's not about winning or losing. It's about going. Tie that in with the fact earlier I said 99.9% of violence in prison does not involve anything fatal or a knife, you know, and you just got to tank it, bro. Think to yourself, you know, I'm going to get punched in the face and it's going to suck, but it'll heal. It ain't going to kill me. Damn. And that, so that is basically like going to happen. And the key thing is just to fight back. Like if you crawl up in like the fetal position, that's like the worst thing you can do. That yeah, point? exactly. Okay. Yeah. If you let them walk over, then you're done. They're going to be in there taking your commissary every day. You're going to be taking your trays, you're going to starve to death in there. You're going to have to PC up, go to protective custody, or else you'll never eat again, basically. If you're not willing to fight for your shit, somebody's going to try. That one is probably the only time it will ever happen. Let me also say that. It'll never happen. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Happen again, more than life. From then on, anytime you get into an altercation, it's because you got into one. 
But the, the first one's going to be trouble coming looking for you because that's the test. Once that test is out of the way, you're golden. Swing off on that dude, bust his shit up, get your shit busted, try your best, and give him a knuckle touch afterwards. Damn. Spit the blood out and go about your way, you know, and everybody in there is going to respect you even if you lost. I promise you. And also, don't ever be scared just because the dude's bigger than you. <laughs> That's a great one. I've seen so many times in prison where some five foot two dude came up and slapped the shit out of somebody who was six foot tall and put him to sleep. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man. There was this dude. They called him They called him Thunder Punch, bro. I don't know if that was a Pokemon reference or not, but this dude was notorious. He broke two different people's cheekbones. Not their jaw, man. Their fucking cheekbone. And he was like five three. Pudgy looked like a little dumpling, bro. He looked like a toe. But if he leapt up in the air and swung, I don't know how he got that kind of like force behind it, man. He didn't look all that shit. He did burpees all day. <laughs> but I mean, you'd be surprised, man. The little dudes can pack a punch, and them big dudes like have only a lot of times have coasted through life on their size, and they're not ready to get smacked. So mm. if that's what it comes down to, guys, if you ever find yourself in this position, get that first one out of the way, and don't don't act salty if you lose. Don't act like a braggy asshole if you win, or else you'll be a target after that. Oh, he thinks he's tough. I'm going to show him who's tough. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there's a couple stereotypes that are true. Also, I, I, let me go ahead and get this one out of the way because this always comes up. Soap. Every jail that I was at, every prison I was at, you had individual solo showers. So you could drop the soap. You could dance on the soap. You could <laughs> shove the soap, soap wherever you hell you wanted. And no other human being would ever know other than you. Okay, there was no that's, that's boondocks, you know, swinging it in the shower like, you didn't wash behind your ears. There's none of that. Fucking <laughs> A. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. Okay. Um. All right. What is your favorite part of playing an Iron Man? And do you just play Iron Man? Yeah. I mean, I, I play a one defense pure like an hour a month, two a okay. month. I like the PvP a bit, but I mostly focus on bots because I'm trash. Every time that I run into an actual other PKer, I either get smited or just get one shot. It just never fails. So I'm working on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do consider myself basically just an Iron Man player. I've got almost 344 days on the Iron. Um, 22, 52. I should have maxed multiple times over by now, but I like purple light and I like killing boss. I'm more focused on collection log slots. A lot of times PVM collection specifically. Um, man, I love everything about Iron Man mode. When my little brother told me when I was locked up that they had just came out with a new game mode for runescape. I was like, the fuck does that mean <laughs> game mode? He's called Iron Man. You can't trade other players or like fight monsters with other players and get loot. And I told him that that was the biggest sack of horse shit that I've ever heard in my life, and I couldn't believe they wasted dev time on that. I said, think about the RuneCraft. You would have to be a psychopath to play that game mode. Like I was like, there's nobody out there that would ever stoop so low and do the addiction of this game as to play an Iron Man. Well, <laughs> here we are. Uh, once I got to um, about 1850-ish total on my main account, man, I had finished uh, Dragon Slayer 2 and Monkey Madness 2, and... um was looking forward to maybe some achievement diaries, but I didn't really think the rewards were enough of an incentive for me to really just focus on that. It was more for the goal of it. And I needed more money for that. And and this is not this is my personal RuneScape experience. Please not don't let me imply that this is the proper way to play or that I think everybody would feel this way. But soon after going to Bandos with all my friends every single day, I got a thousand KC or something on my main, and that's with a group of four or something, you know, barely ever getting the kill. Um, it just turned into, hey, look, more piles of money dropped on the ground. Sweet. Another pile of money dropped on the ground. Sweet. All right, now I've got enough money to use this money on something else to make more piles of money drop on the ground. Yeah, that is so And faster. Bad. Oh, sweet. Now i got even more money. And, like, man, after about a month or two of that, like, I was like, I just don't really have anything to look forward to. Like, Torva, Torva didn't exist yet, but, like, Max Beston slot, Tebow and all this crap just didn't really, it wasn't enough of a draw. And I did grind to Tebow. I got the 95 Slayer and saved almost every penny, and I was a Black Dragon Hide Twisted Bow boy. And, um... 
and I'll let a friend of mine borrow it and he stole it. And that was the last straw. That's when I said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm playing Iron Man. Nobody's ever borrowing shit from me again. <laughs> I'm going to earn my own Tebow and can't nobody use it. And so that has kind of been the underlying three and a half years now or something like that. It's been the underlying long-term goal of the account is to reclaim my Tebow. Damn. Um, but the moment that I really look back and people have hung out on my stream, I've heard this story probably a hundred times because I always tell this to people who feel burnt with the game. Like I said, I grinded a ton of bandos, man. I got plenty of chest plates, plenty of tacits. When I was a low-level hardcore Iron Man on this account, and I got 3KC Runite limbs from a Steel Dragon, it felt 10 times better than any tacits or chest plate that I ever got on my main. I mean, like, I was hyped as shit, bro. I had already gotten the fletching level. This was a real upgrade that changed my day-to-day -day experience. You know what I mean? It was something new and, and, and fresh. And I realized at that moment I was in too deep. I, I forgot to mention the middle ground there. I made a hardcore Iron Man as a joke, dude. My friends told me. I made one while I was at the halfway house because I was mobile only for six months. You know, I told you I had to do mandatory six months halfway house. Mm -hmm. Mobile came out while I was in prison. Woot, woot. So to stay out of trouble at the halfway house, I sat in the bathroom with my phone charger plugged up, just learning raids on mobile. I fought almost every boss in the game at that time on mobile Damn. and learned it. I actually learned raid, raids one on mobile. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, dude, it, it was fucking brutal. But um, I made that hardcore Iron Man on mobile. It was my mobile-only hardcore Iron Man. You know, it was what it was supposed to be at first. Well, the day that I got out of the halfway house, man. Okay, so there's this really cool new thing. There's two new technological innovations that weren't common before I went to prison. One of them is using a second monitor. Okay. The, the only person I knew that had two monitors before I went to prison was the absolute sexant, like, never spoken to a female dude I've ever met in my entire life. And I had that stigma with that. Like, what could you possibly need two monitors for? And, but now I had one. And also, I had never used a gaming mouse with buttons on the side. So you probably see where this is going. I was like, this is the best. I just got out of the halfway house. I can play RuneScape on two fucking monitors. I'm in a safe spot. Zars with mithril knives on my hardcore. And I'm gonna barrage on my main. And I didn't even know that side button was there, bro. When I got my Iron Man set up and went to click back on my main monitor, I misclicked the side button, and he stepped out oh, and no. got smoked. And I was like, okay, that's the end of that. And then I'd say four months later, I made my next one, didn't really play it up until the Tebow got stolen, but like I had the urge. I was mm -hmm. like, how far can I get with this? Like, Even though I quit whenever I lost status on that one, like I was like, I think I can get farther. Not just with hardcore, but with iron, and I started over. Ultimately, it was high-risk iron. I never teleported, ever. And that's what got me. Mm. I would always try. If the boss had less than 10% health, I was risking it. Nah, it got me. There is definitely, like what you said about the Rune Knight limbs, like there's a point where you're playing Iron Man and you're like, this is the most fun I've, this is the most fun gaming experience I've ever had. Like, this is so nice. Yes. It's it, crazy. I always tell people that if you exclude the golden lens of, lens of nostalgia from my first year of playing in 2004, by far the most fun that I've ever had on this game. Yep. That's yep. for me, of course. I'm not one of those, everybody needs to play iron guys, you know, different strokes for different folks. But for me, mm -hmm. man, this was the way to play. This was what I needed for this game. This turned the shit into grown up time, like game I can get down on and put some time into and progress, you know, Yep. dive yep. into the stats and the numbers. I never knew when I was a little kid, how deep and, and, and of course it's gotten deeper in the past years, but like, I just never realized what a setup we had, man. What a beautiful game this was poised to be. A serious MMO. It's not that shitty like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. I burnt a shrimp and then quit, you know? That's what 90% of my friends... I always, always wondering what the hell was wrong with me. Everybody else in my school was like, man, that game's dumb after like six months. Not me. I'm yeah. playing it every time that I possibly could since 2004. Uh, Other than when I got permanently muted, a couple permanent bands, I got permanently <laughs> muted for, uh, believe it or not, making threats. 
<laughs> I don't know if you knew about that or not. I did. Got that account perma muted. Oh, and one God. time I got permanently banned for saying type your password backwards. <laughs> you know the drill. Oh my God. It's just funny. I like love those, Iron Man. Yeah. Those, those ancient memes back then where it's like everybody <laughs> play, everybody that played this game was a literal child. Like you could just yeah. do the stupidest scams and people would fall for it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I loved it. I, man, I was a small time scammer. My little brother pulled some heist, man. My little brother one time scammed a Santa hat and they were 19 mil at that time, which was, oh my God, mouthwatering like out of this world wealth for us. We never even thought about that kind of money. Yep. And, um, his dumb ass goes and buys dragon med helm, dragon chain body, dragon plate legs, dragon boots. Uh, maybe boots. Yeah, I think he had the, I think he had the whole kit and caboodled. And, uh, you know, flexing, bro, which cost almost that entire cash stack back then, guys. I know that sounded like I was talking about, you know, oh, he spent 500K. But back then, <laughs> that was like that whole 19 mil almost. He spent most of that. And um, he took it straight to the duel arena to go flex. And uh, somebody, of course, you've probably heard this one before, walked up to him and was like, hey. I'm doing a max hit video. Can you take off all your armor so I can hit you harder? So he takes off all his armor and he's like, cool, I'm going to give you lobsters so that you can eat in case I don't hit max. Show me how many inventory spots you have. If I'm not mistaken, this is why they incorporated the box that shows how many empty slots they've got. Mm. And so my little brother dumped up all of his dragon items, which is, you know, six items. And the guy puts up 28 lobsters, remove six, accept, accept. Oh my Bro, god, dude. My little brother sounded like a fucking tornado running through our kitchen. <laughs> I mean, it no. <laughs> ran through the house, dove into the room, slammed the door, and I just heard like, and I don't blame him, man. He was younger than me. He was like he was like nine, you know what I mean? So let me not, it's not like he was 17 or nothing, but he was like eight or nine years old. But like, <laughs> I had the big brother. I went in there and was like, Bro, you stole that money. How are you crying like that? You stole that shit. Like, oh my you God. deserve that 100%. You scammed it and got scammed for it, man. Learn a lesson from this. And then I was like, I'll help you later. We'll scam it back up. Dude, I just think like those are the most valuable fucking lessons. Like I, this, the fucking running around the kitchen screaming at the top of your lungs. Like I've literally lived that. And like, dude, he never got scammed again. Yep. Ever. In Ruth's yep. Cape or real life. Yep. No, that's now, I'm not literally gonna sit here and pretend like he don't. He looks over his shoulder every time he hears a noise, you know, but <laughs> it's good for him. It's good for him. No, it really is. When you get scammed at that young when things aren't serious and you're like a nine-year-old, because that's when I got scammed first. Like, I was literally nine years old on the computer bawling my eyes out, just sitting in my underwear and a t-shirt. Like, fucking hey, <laughs> dude. Like, that that shit drills into your, like, psyche. It's like, okay, I, changes you. I will not get scammed anymore, basically. Like, yeah, you be, it's like you just grow years in wisdom from one experience like that, so. Well, that was honestly, as much as I wanted it to be like, hey, you know, you learned your lesson, we did this, that, and the other. Like, three weeks later, we were at Faldor Garden doing the old fucking um, buying dragon plate legs 1711K because they were 1500 Mm-hmm. And then they'd, they'd put it up, we'd put it up, and then decline, and then offer 1171K. Man, I made like 9 mil one night doing that. A couple couple hundred K at a time. Flipping them from one side to the other. And uh, I got banned for that, believe it or not. I, I, I really do wonder what like the Gowers or just any of the devs were thinking. Or they're just seeing their whole game run by <laughs> literal children, just getting scammed repeatedly. I mean... Complete oh pieces God. of shit with no morals. Like, literally only to the gold pennies, bro. No loyalty. I told you I tried to hit my boy for his 119k. I thought that he had it made. I was about to choose that over a friendship. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. No, that I was cold blooded. Straight up. I still remember my first scam, dude. I'd only been playing for like a couple days. And I remember there was a guy standing on the other side of Lumbridge Bridge, like closer to the cow pens. And he said, selling boots, five coins. He's standing amongst the goblins. So, I mean, dude, if you need the coins, kill the goblins. But I'm sure he didn't know any better than I did. I also was unaware of the fact that those boots spawned fucking 30 tiles away in Lumbridge's basement. And that's probably where he picked them up. He probably picked them up there and then just walked across the bridge, tried to sell them. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like them. Let me try them on. Man, I've been to prison, but I think that was the biggest rush I've ever had in my life. Bro, I slapped those boots on in front of his ass and tore off for Verox so fast, man, trying to cut around the little turnstile thing, man. I didn't log out. I told you I didn't know how to log out like that. Oh, man, I tore off so fast, and he was just spam typing. You'd have thought he got a pet, you know, like, super. <laughs> 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 that motherfucker acting like he got the Zora oh pet God. at 10,000 KC, just spam typing, trying to catch up with me. And I was going upstairs and downstairs in the Blue Moon Inn for some boots. For Jesus some free-ass spawn-on-the-ground level one-ass boots. Oh, man, it was great. All I love for, this game, man. All, all for the thrills. All for that yeah. fucking rush, basically. Well, I also didn't know about stats, and I just assumed they kick ass. You know, like, I was like, shit, that's armor. Armor good. <laughs> Video game, armor, armor good, you know? I win. I need that guy's shit. He's gonna have to come up off of that. And the time that he spent chasing me up for 20 minutes up and down Varrock and all that shit, he could have just gone and picked up some more. But I'm sure none of us knew. Oh I had no God. awareness of item spawns. The only one that I ever knew was the, uh, the axe. I mean, I'm sorry, the... The knife over there by Lumbridge Castle. You know, the mm. one that spawns like to the uh, east of it, west of it, sorry. Okay. And uh, that was my thing back in the old death mechanics days when your shit was just gone and it's just pointless to even try to go get it. Like I knew it was over with. I would pickpocket, buy a bronze axe from Bob, go grab that knife and just chop trees and fletch arrow shafts and think about life. <laughs> Bro, I, I remember- would die and lose all my shit. I remember being like so obsessed with the, you know, like quote unquote rares. They're, they weren't even the rares. I'm talking like the fucking spinach rolls and the muddy keys. Like I was obsessed with that because people, you know, I somebody sold me a spinach roll for like 100K. Scam. Scam. And, oh. but, but the thing is, but the thing is, everybody thought they were worth 100K. Then it so was worth 100K. It was worth 100K. So that's the thing. And <laughs> Everybody so I, thinks that. And, and so I was trying to sell that shit for like 200K. And I, you know, I got some pretty good offers somewhat. And then I en- ended up getting scammed of it. You know, I just traded it over to a guy that was doing a trust game. But um, yeah, like spinach rolls, muddy keys, like all those like kind of rares. You could just fucking sell for whatever price you wanted to. And people would just accept it. Like, yeah, like that's the, that's the price of it. I mean, I trust you. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to admit, like. I very much prefer how it is today, realistically speaking, as an adult trying to play a fucking video game. But man, it was wild times back then. That that old scam. I remember I actually did. I can tell you a story about when I cried instead of just snitching on my little brother. Um, That same dude that I tried to hit for the 119K, my boy Dave, Mm -hmm. one time gave me a present, an SGG. I had never heard of that. Short green guy. guy, You know, it's a gnomish drink. Mm. I think it takes place somewhere in the game at some point, but I'm I'm sure he bought it from Gnome Tree Village. Whatever. He just thought it was funny and cutesy, right? So he goes to give it to me. And I was obsessed with my cash stack back then. I had 100k and I thought that was the biggest pogging, balling fucking shit. If I was feeling ritzy, I'd go buy a lava battle staff for a 100k for a few days and then sell it back for 100k. That was my my big flex. Sometimes a highwayman mask. Also 100k up and down. Um... (laughs) But I was obsessing with that cash stack. So, like, in my mind, it was a really good thing to do a lot of bank sales and just, like, come up with stuff. And, like, and you know, we had the offer system. You know, there was no guide prices and shit. Well, anyways, I was in fucking Artie, the Northern Bank in Artie. And I remember, man, I don't know how I always remember where I was, probably because the shit devastated me so bad. 
And some dude hit me up. Was like, I said bank sale. I had the short green guy. He was like, how much for SGG? I said 5K. Because I had no clue. And that seemed like a good amount of money to me. You know, I was like, 5K is kind of a chunk. If he pays that, I'm going to be pogging. He gave me 5K. Dude, I was hyped. I was like, hell yeah. I, I, I teleport to Varrock because I'm going to go try to see what else I'm going to buy. I'm hanging out in Varrock West. And there's a guy saying, buying SGG 1 mil. Oh, and my God. I started crying my eyes out, dude. But... I didn't know it was a scam. There was okay. another guy on the other end saying selling SGG 50K. It was a scam. It was like somebody thinks they're going to make a quick meal, you know? Yep, yep. Oh, yep. that guy down there is selling at that, and this guy's buying it. They were in on it together. But I didn't know that yet. All I saw was I just sold a meal for 5K, and I cried. And, and, and I, I tell you, like, I was a raging-ass kid. Like, I was like, I hope that kid fucking gets hacked. I hope his parents can't afford the internet, man. That piece <laughs> of shit. I hope he never plays this game again. <laughs> like, I was so mad at that guy. Oh my god! All my rage was focused, and the worst part is that poor little kid out there probably just like made an offer, and I accepted it. There was nothing nefarious, you know. And I'm over here thinking that that is just that was my anime backstory, dude. Like I was poisoned from then on. Bruh, you know what I would do when I was a kid? I was broke as What's fuck, that? so I would pretend like I was rich because all I wanted the I would get huge dopamine hits from seeing people's bank sales. So <laughs> you would Me have too. you would have people saying bank sale five mil. And I was so curious as to what they Got fucking to. had. And so, and, and they would they would always say this, bank sale, five mil, no noobs. Like, I don't oh, want, I like, that. no fucking noobs trading. Like, don't fucking trade me that. if you're a noob. And so, and so I'd come up and I'd be like, okay, like, I got five mil. And it's like, prove it. It's like, no, no, show me the items first. You know, like, trying to, like, basically pr just <laughs> show off that you're a fucking giga Next chad, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I got the money. Just just show me the items real quick. Show they, me the stuff. They, I got the money. <laughs> up and at the very end they're like show show like gp basically and i just fucking put up my like 13k cash tag and then they <laughs> close out they're Press like accept. fucking noob noob <laughs> or they'd say froob god damn it hit the accept on him and you hit him with a question mark <laughs> when he declines <laughs> early bro that was oh, awesome dude i fucking loved looking at people i mean i think the biggest bank sale i ever saw obviously people are just throwing out offers like who knows what it was actually worth but I think I remember one guy saying he had a 120 mil bank sale. Oh, my God. Bro, I wanted to see that so bad. And I remember just trading and be like, I got the money, bro. Like, just fucking put up the items. I'll, I'll put the cash stack up <laughs> right after you put up the items. And I just remember, like, drooling at all. Finger the on the screenshot had. button. Bro, I didn't even know what a screenshot <laughs> button was. Uh, Not me neither. I, I just was staring. And I'm just like, bro, <laughs> like, what I would do for that. Like, I would do anything. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I'd take this account right now. Yeah, like I, I would uh, just, uh, how, how can I scam this guy? Like how can I literally just have what he has? I mean, I, I would get so jealous over people's accounts and items. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I feel like that was part of it. Yeah. I was kind of a similar vein too, except for I didn't even have the like decency to go to a trading area. I was kind of notorious for, and rest in peace, the forums. I would go on the forums and go into the sales and I would just look for people selling items I'd never heard of. And I would post and say, yo, I'm at Port Serum Jail, which should have been a giveaway because I specifically remember being there in one of them. I was, dude was selling Split Bark. I, I don't even think Split Bark had been out very long yet, so I really wanted to see it. And I didn't know nothing about it. We didn't have no wiki, you know. I wasn't going to look it up on a tippet or whatever. And I posted in there. I was like, I'm at Port Serum Jail. I'll pay you this. And I told him 50K extra over what he was asking. World blah, 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 blah. He comes walking up, trades me, puts it up, and I literally just said, LOL. And pressed accept. <laughs> and he said, he said, F you and teleported away. But I was like, that's goals, bro. I also bro. don't feel like I ever saw 
anyone wear that armor ever again. Wow. I feel like that popped for like a week or a month, and they came out with something else like Mystic or something. I don't know. But I wasn't high enough level to wear it because I didn't have 30 defense. Bro, you remember at my my uh, training grounds, like where I would train my combat. And keep in mind, like me training my combat was getting to like, I think I got to like combat level 60. And I That's thought that was insane. Yeah. Like, insane. I remember having like 40 attack. Like I could wear rune. I probably had like, you know, in the 30s of strength. Like I, I was a giga chat. And where I would train is, you know, Aubrey's <laughs> magic shop in Barok. Yeah. I, right south of there, there was the fucking thief, level 16. Not the mugger, not the thief. No, The thief, bro. level 16. I would just grind on him. I mean, that that was literally, <laughs> I would use my, I think I had a normal rune sword. Or no, no, no. I would, use a, rune, I would use a rune long sword. Not Five even a semi. Tick. Yeah, Five the, tick, no semi. SMH okay, my head. And, and because I think, I, I don't remember, but I just remember like bigger number was better. So I remember having like a rune dagger yeah. I would use. And then I got the rune long sword and I was like, bro, this is insane. Like I bro, am. We're talking about the era when people main handed Gmos. Yep. You know, so yeah, that's a pretty good weapon in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was pimping out, and that was like where I would train basically. And you know how I got my first mill? This is probably in two thousand six, I think. This is when my brain started to kind of form a little bit. I was like eleven. That was broad. This is when my brain kind of started to form. I was eleven. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean before then I was just literally. I don't even think I fucking had consciousness. I swear to God, like I was just like a total zombie. We were idiot. sponging. Yeah. So, but the but I finally realized how to start grinding basically, and so this is like a year before I quit entirely. But I realized right. <laughs> that people were buying Redberry pies for two k each Ooh. at like a lot of different banks, and I was like, you know what? Like I could make Redberry pies. So I literally made five hundred Redberry pies. That was the grind I spent like a fucking month on. That's and, some Iron Man shit, bro. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. From scratch. I made 500 yeah. Redberry Pies. I made my first one mil cash stack. Somebody bought That's them off me bomb. entirely. I had 500. He bought the whole thing oh, for one mil. Yep. Nice. You sold them all. Yep. Hell yeah. I was thinking you were going to have to sit on them for a while. That dude saw an opportunity there. He's like, I'm going to sell these three cage. Yep. No, seriously. Win, I, just, win. I made 500 of them. Took me like a month. And I had a mil cash stack. And I just remember I didn't spend any of it. I just looked at it. Like it was just, yep. I, I beat the game. I got literally yep, one. I, I have a mill. I thought cash stack was win too. I never had any gear or anything. I yep. didn't know anything about stats worth fuck. <laughs> yeah. I had full rune for a while, Bro. but I, I was like, why would you pay for like a Bandos chest plate? What the <laughs> fuck? That's so expensive. Literally how I got my dopamine hits is I would stand at banks and just being spending one mil. And <laughs> yeah. I would just wait for people to trade me. I'd put up my cash stack like a giga chad. Like, dude, I am so much better than you. Like, I have a just fucking mill, bro. Yep. <laughs> Unzipping all of them, bro. Done. <laughs> Literally, dude. Oh. He puts up like some sad ass little like bronze ass. Poor little dude. Burnt shrimp fresh off the Toriel Island. And I would fucking revert. I was like Uno reverse, bro. Like people would call me a noob and I would trade them and see the rank sales. I would call other people noobs. They'd pull up, you know, they'd, you know, have like maybe 50K worth of stuff. And I was like, bro, get away from me, noob. Like I'm spending a mil, bro. Not your garb. I don't want your garbage. You weren't trying to buy nothing, and you yeah. know it. You just wanted to make fun <laughs> no, of it. I wasn't, dude. That, that's what... that was all it was. You weren't trying to buy anything. <laughs> I was really though. I thought the cash stack was just like the winning of the game. I it didn't was. want to spend it on anything. It was. I bought bro. a I bought a Bando's chest plate once. I still remember this. This wasn't even. This was later on. This is like 2010 or something like that. Uh -huh. And I used it for a couple of days, and I was like, I was expecting a noticeable difference, and I sold it back. 
Cause I just didn't get it, you know. Like I didn't really know much about stats or anything. By that point, I was even like sixteen. I was always ass at RuneScape until old school. Yep, yep, same. I was like I mean, fifteen hundred like total with two extra skills: <laughs> dungeoneering and what the fuck. I'm actually What's the other one. Uh, I don't even remember summoning. Maybe that's the only extra one they had. I, I, I the thing summoning, is, like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. summoning. I, I quit in 2007, so I just really didn't keep up with the game at all. But you no, every, a good time. I mean, everybody was a noob, though. I mean, when yeah. old school came out, nobody fucking knew anything about the game still. And everyone was reaching adulthood. Like, we, Bro, I've we told the story before, but when my little brother came and saw me in jail and told me they'd release the old school version of RuneScape, it was the only time that I ever really wanted to break out of jail. Wow. He was like, dude, it's madness. People are selling Rune Full Helms for like 100K. Nobody can do anything. We're all on the same page. People are trading shit straight up with no coins. There's no coins in the game. No high alchemy. Nobody's got alchemy. It's insanity. Holy and I was just shit. foaming at the mouth. I wanted it so bad. My inner nostalgia, man. It was screaming. Oh, I, I was like, just don't even tell me imagine. anymore. A couple oh, weeks later, God. he comes to visit me, or a couple months even maybe, and he was like, yeah, they just did this event where the J-Mods dropped a bunch of uh, Christmas crackers and party hats on the ground, and I made him swear on his life that he was going to put a party hat set in the bank for me. Like, I was like, bro, he, he told me, he's like, I got multiple P-hat sets, and I'm sitting here like, dude, you've got to save those for me. Save me one, just one set. And he's rolling his eyes like, I don't think they're going to go up much. And I was like, trust me. Trust me, you're younger than me. Trust me. Save it. It will be rich. I will be rich. Just give it to me when I get out. I just need that to start my account. He gets it. He gives it to me when I get out. It's like 4K for all fucking sake. <laughs> all right, point taken. I see. Oh, my God. Bro. I'd never wanted out so bad as when he told me that old school RuneScape had come out. I'd been depressed about the game since like 2009, man, yeah, 2010. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people got hella nostalgia for that area era. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like the lens of nostalgia shifts. <laughs> and I think that's very evident in the game of RuneScape yeah. in particular. I think that you're kind of always going to look back about 10 to 15 years as like, man, that was great. And as you get older, that that sliding scale moves with you. So now I think we see more people saying things, you know, wanting more pre-EOC things. Not that we haven't always had them. I mean, Zenite Jewelry, you know, tried it, et cetera, to some degree or another. But nowadays you see like a lot of people talking about like the Soul Wars movement, for example. You know, people were really hyped up about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of it, you know, boils back down to like the, that spot of nostalgia sliding because from what i understand when old school started if you would have said the word soul wars you would have started a runescape war like yep. nobody wanted anything well there was that had a, been thought of there was definitely a difference because there was a, a generation of players that played from like 2002 to 2007 and if you were actually i would say if you started in 2002 to about 2005 you were in this certain generation where you think that was like peak pure gaming and then yes. you had the gamers that were kind of born in like 98, 99 that started mm-hmm. literally playing in 2008. So all of their nostalgia is based on when basically like RuneScape was becoming new school. Like, You're and so right. that is their whole nostalgia fix. So when they think of Soul Wars and all this stuff, like that is literally their 2003 to us. We've kind of all got our own different center based on when we started playing. Totally. Like, I could definitely see that. That's a big part of it. Uh, hell, I was surprised. Uh, I think he took it down a long time ago. But you remember the Torvesta video with his girlfriend? I remember him saying he started playing in, like, 2010 or something. I was like, really? did he? What? Torvesta started playing in 2010? That's, like, one of the one of the latest for a really successful YouTuber or RuneScaper, you know, that I've heard Literally, of. Yeah. Poison Potion started in, like, 2018. That I love crazy. it. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. I'm so glad. I mean, 
what a, what a rarity it feels like. It's happening more now, you know, but for the, my entire history of playing RuneScape, man, I've just never really seen people get into it, man. It's so rare that somebody tries it and really sticks with it. And so anytime somebody tells me they started playing just in the past few years, I'm like, you're built different, bro. Get it. Yes. Literally. You got that dog in you, man. You can handle this. That's what I'm talking about. It Not is, an easy game. It is different. I mean, this game is unlike any other, so. What other game do you have to like, hey, man, the bossing is fun. But before you find out if you like it, you know, you got to spend about 900 hours, you know, before you can even get to decent levels for some of the harder bosses. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but that's I mean, realistically, not, for like a new not an exaggeration. I mean, it might not be. I don't know how long it'll take, you know, if getting, you were hypothetically efficient. If, yeah. And nobody's efficient for your first thousand hours. Like, exactly. bro, in a thousand hours, like you maybe what get to like fucking 1600 total. Like, yeah, like maybe the 70s, 80s. Yeah, I mean, you're you're just dog shit. Like, you don't understand anything. And that's a thousand yep. hours you put into the goddamn game. Like, it's for any other game, game, you're a pro. You're a literal pro at a thousand hours. Yep. Absolutely. I remember seeing on Twitter a couple months ago, what's that game, Genshin Impact? Mm -hmm. There was this mad Twitter thread about this guy bitching that he had to fish for eight hours to get the best item for what he was trying to get in the game. Straight yep. up, pure, no argument, best in slot. Eight hours. And they were crying. Bro, we eat that for a snack. Eight hours. Boy, that's a dragon defender. Get the fuck out of here. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. You know what I mean? Bro, eight hours is like legitimately getting one level when you're in the 90s. Like maybe yeah. getting a level, you know? Just Depending like, on the level. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Depending on what skill. Yeah, it's a different kind of game, man. And I feel like I didn't really fully understand that in my youth, if that makes sense. I think the highest skill I ever got to pre-OC was like 90 strength, and I just thought I was such a chad. My little brother and his friend shared an account and botted the piss out of it, so I was always really jealous. I didn't know they were botting at that time. Mm. I just thought that they were crackheads. So I was like always feeling like I was perpetually behind, and I was always salty about the game. And I remember doing a lot of Brimhaven Agility Arena. I don't even know if there was a better alternative back then. Dude, Brimhaven Agility my, was pog as hell back then. It I mean, I, th so cool. I feel like at that time it was really busy back then, man. It this was. is the months leading up to my arrest even in 2012, you know? Like, it was... It was pretty solid still. I had not seen anything that had come out to compete with it. Um, and it, it was a popular area and stuff like that. But, um, oh, shit, what was my first point about? I, I got to thinking about that old Brimhaven Agility Arena. No, just um, like you oh, were yeah, my always method perpetually for that back behind. Then, mm -hmm, what my method back then and what part of why I was so behind all the time was because I would, and I actually did this when I first started old school, I would open the skill guide, bro, and I would go to the highest level thing that I could do. And I would just go do that. So even on old school on my main account one time, I wasted a solid three days running around catching motherfucking black warlocks or something for like 13k XP an hour just technically because they were higher level. You know what I mean? As opposed to like grinding some swamp yeah, lizards yeah. or some chins or something, for example, whatever it might be. Like I just would go to whatever the top rated thing was. And that oftentimes I found out in this game does not mean it's going to be the best XP. I mean, think about like mining runite. Yep. Where the hell are you going to mine runite that's going to compare with the XP per hour versus versus iron? Bro, Nowhere. My my ultimate goal, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm talking like 2006 still in this era, maybe like early 2007. I was always a wood chopper. I never mined. Oh, yeah. I never like fished. That was just wasn't my thing. But wood, wood cutting was my thing. I remember yeah. getting to 75 wood cutting finally. Ooh. For years, Ooh, and bro, I would just sit with the legends with their gnome scarves and their fucking cavaliers, and I would sit at the magic uh, trees with all uh. the e daters, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm that motherfucker that's chopping magic trees with these legends. And Chopper mad over there. I mean, I was probably getting like maybe 10, 15k XP an hour, like pro probably <laughs> 10 fucking k XP an hour. It didn't. Not bad money. Yeah. 
Not bad money at that time though for something chill oh, like that. I, dude, I just thought I, I just thought I broke the game. Like I I thought I literally like hacked the game. I'm like, bro, I am literally just generating fifteen hundred GP every time a log lands in my inventory. Like this is insane. Like, this is literally insane, you know? Like I yep. yeah. You just see Piles the game differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fourth question from Joe Watermelon. What items are you least looking forward to grinding? Also, uh, to just expand on this question, what are some things that you've gotten like super unlucky on and super lucky on on your Iron Man? Okay. All right, so yeah, I'll start with that one because that, that's going to be a jaw dropper right there. I hold the world record, as far as we know, for lowest KC completed Elijah Spirit Shield on an Iron Man. Oh my At 21 God. KC. Bruh. I got a... Uh, yeah, I got a 14 KC sigil. I mean, uh, sorry, 14 KC elixir, 15 KC LE, 21 KC shield. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the clip if you want it because you can hear the splooge hit my pants. Let me see. Uh, it was it. a pretty great clip because I had it hidden, dude. It just was a total coincidence. I had it like hidden to where you would only see the loot beam, and I made a joke like, are there any pink lights? And then I get a pink light. No and way. immediately start having a complete conniption. Hang on, here we go. Bro, what the fuck? I'm yeah, at uh, I'm at 4300 KC. I don't have an Ellie. Yeah, I didn't really want to bring it up just in case, but since you had asked, you know. No, like, I, I, that's I, one of I your will, gnarly ones. I will, pants. I will never blame anybody for their. I mean, it's just out of your control. It's out of everybody's control, so you, you can't ever like fully. That's different folks, serious. different different roles. All right, let's play this. Can we see a pink bright light? This will be amazing if we do. Is it going to die one day? What happened? Okay, there we go. Oh, my God. No. Any pink lights in the... No way. No way. There's no way. Dude, there's no way. There's no way. 15 KC. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Bro, no no what the fuck? Dude, that is... Okay, that is awesome. Bro, that was, I had gone 1,400 dry for my BGS, and I was beating my head against the wall because I was too stubborn to learn range method. I did 1,000 kills melee, finally gave up and started using my ACB, got the BGS, and I swore to my community after sitting there with me at Bandos for four months, I was not going to do any corp kills off stream. And this was my second night of corp. Dude. Like, I did a couple kills the first day, and then tonight I was like, all right, we're getting into this grind now, and then that happened. Why is it always that way with irons? If you get unlucky on your BGS, you always spoon corp. It's like a a fucking prophecy, dude. There's some kind of algorithm, man. Literally. I mean, I got a lucky BGS. And look, see? Okay. We got to ask Defy. We find out Defy got two BGSs. I think we're on to something, because he got two LEs in like 20 minutes. That's that was insane. Yeah, no, no, but but seriously, his his luck's crazy. I mean, Ellie is one of the most daunting grinds in this game. I mean, seriously, yeah. I could, I don't have it yet, bro. There is nothing stopping the RNG from just going five x rate, like twenty thousand. Yep. Like, there's just that could happen for an That's exceptionally terrifying. rare item. Yep. Oh, it's also worth noting that in three hundred KC on my main, I got all three sigils in the collection log too. That is so nuts, bro. Weird, huh? That's what everybody's always told me is Corpse, my boss, man. Uh, as far as dry streets pl- go... It's such a great place to get lucky, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's lottery for sure, you know? Every now and again, I get a, the urge to just do a little two or three kills, you know? You just never fucking know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like gambling a little bit with that 20 minutes. Literally. But, um, thankfully, my dry streaks are like... I mean, I've got two drops at next on rate for about five. So, like, that's a little aggravating. Thank God I got the Nile Horn as my second drop. That's a great one to get for that grind, you know? 
I got Torva played in that, but I should have gotten about 500. I'm about 1,000 XKC or close with only two drops. Almost all three- and four-man teams. Oh, God. Um, so pretty stupid dry there. That also probably ties into Joe Watermelons. I'm really not looking forward to actually trying to get everything from next. I don't give a piss about that ancient hilt. Fuck Vardorvis. Vardorvis can gobble on it. I don't care. I'm sure someday they'll introduce something that's even more useful, but if I don't get it on my way to getting helmet and legs and van braces, I'm out of 5,000. So, um, yeah, next, and honestly, I really, I have a personal goal to get full Inquisitors plus Mace plus at least Harmonized Orb. And that, I'm at about 160-ish, I think. Getting close to drop rate at Nightmare. Fasani's, that is. And let me tell you, man, I died like 60 times to Fasani's before I finally got a kill. And Jeez. that is one of the single most fun. I, I wish more bosses were like that in the sense of like extremely rewarding gameplay. Like, you know, it's highly, highly punishing the mistakes. It very much rewards good gameplay. But man, that drop table, bro. I have spent well over 100 hours dying, walking back, killing it, all that good stuff. And not even, you know, I'm barely getting close to drop rate. Yeah, the drop rates there are so entirely fucked. They need to be looked at. But the gameplay itself is so good. That actually is really the reason why those drop rates piss me off so much. Because so it's many such a people, fun boss. I know. So many people avoid the content. It's literally so amazing. If you could get drops, literally, even if they were... I mean, I've, I've even pushed it to the point where like I would be okay if it was triple the drop rates. I mean, I'm talking like literally 1 in 50. But even if it was like 1 in 80, just doubling the drop rates, bro, that would feel so much better. Yep. It would. So I, much better. I'm and sick I'd be, of bass, bro. It's so bad, yeah. Like you could, and the thing is, you could go four x rate. I mean, you could literally do six hundred plus Fasanis without seeing an item, and that wouldn't even be the craziest thing ever. Who was it? Like Shadow Roka or something went like four thousand for his mace. Did you go dry for mace? Yeah, I went dry. I mean, I I, yeah. I spent over eleven hundred hours. God, it was like it was no. like a, it was like probably a, it was probably really close to twelve hundred hours before I actually pulled a mace, and I'm talking full time, like including i mean i literally spent almost six full days in game time just running to the boss i'm not oh, gonna spoon on the tablet at 25 and I almost the, cried with joy yeah i mean i mean the, i spent i spent 1100 hours before fasani's was even a thing i was just soloing normal oh yeah you're talking about nightmare. normal nightmare i forgot oh bro, 20 minute kills bro 20 minute kills and I, the thing is is like i didn't i couldn't afford the prayer so i had a one tick flick the entire fight and i didn't have a sanguinesti so there was no heals. So I, I was permanently... And the thing is, like, I, I didn't want to slow down my kills by eating hard food or trying to right. drink brews or anything. So I would go in there with fucking Phoenix necklaces. So I would just be... I would be fully camped at, like, 20 HP for 20 minutes straight. Just Waiting on the proc. Procking on these... Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I got very, very good at it. But for the early parts, oh, my God. It was just death after death after death. And, like, when you die, you know, there's 15 minutes thrown away, plus running there for three minutes, reclaiming your shit, teleporting back, running there again for three minutes, going back to the bottom. It's like, dude, it literally makes me want to vomit thinking about it. It was horrible. Yep. Yeah, that 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 and Nex are the two that I'm really not looking the most forward to. And I have to admit, I've got some personal gripes about Nex. Um, what's kind of share some things with? Uh, sorry, what's your Nile shard count? I'm just curious. Let me see here. It's, it should be about four and a half, five drops, I think. Let me see. 1,800 on the nose. So four and a half drops worth. Bro, look at this. Oh, no. I've, I've fully green logged next. 2,700. What? A 2,700? I don't want to do another set. Uh, no, no. Tw tw 2,700 Nile shards. 
Oh my god. Yeah. No, I I spooned the fuck out of this place basically. And the thing is, like, I, I green logged everything, and I got an additional Nile horn, additional van braces, additional for, uh, full helm. Oh my god. Pet and help. Yeah. No, I, bro. When I think about next, I am so grateful. I gotta like, go, bro. No, I'm just. <laughs> I am. I am so grateful that that is just. I never have to go back. Like it's just done. Everything green log. Just oh my god. It must such feel a, nice. Such an amazing feeling. Green log too with that sick running pit. Yep. That's dope. Anyway, what were that, you gonna that's say? That's the I, two that I'm mostly. Not, oh yeah, I was gonna say that my my gripe about next man. Mm-hmm. And I would just jump out of a limb and assume that like J mods listen to this, so I'm not trying to sound brutal or anything, man. But that that whole like step under mechanic at the end of next, formerly the follow stall. You know, there's like that step under thing now. I don't know what you were doing when you grinded it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started off a follow stall for final phase, and then it turned into that five tick step meta, which I had to learn and adapt. Um, that's bullshit. Red Xing, doing that step under stuff. That, in my opinion, if you had, if, if the absolute meta way to fight a boss is to use a cheese mechanic like Red X, in my opinion, it was a poorly designed boss. Really? Like Baba. Yeah, if Baba hitting you 20s through prayer. Okay, that, is yeah, stupid. That, that, that's a discussion to be had. I actually, I like the step unders where you can prevent additional damage from happening. So like, I think it feels great to get into that. I hate the fact that it doesn't feel intended. It doesn't, it feels like a, like a, they overtuned the boss and this is kind of what we have to do to mitigate it. Because Mm. let's say theoretically you don't step under or follow stall somebody. You can't mage, can't melee. You got a 50% chance that she's going to slap you for a 30. And there's just nothing, no gameplay, no skill. It doesn't reward good gameplay, you know? I mean, stepping under will cut down on the damage, but it's still a 50-50 gamble, which causes people to red X and stuff in the first place. And in my opinion, similar to Baba hitting 20s through player, which forces by necessity players to red X, I think that's a bad... I think it means that the boss needs a touch-up, needs to love, personally. Yeah, that's fair. I actually never minded that about Nex. I actually mainly... I don't even mind chip damage. Chip damage is cool, you know, it gives you an incentive to click boss, you know, DPS check sort of, you know, I like chip damage, I think that's a cool direction to move in to a certain extent, you know, but them 30s from next, bruh. Yeah, I think part of the... At least Telegraph. I, I th- I, yeah, no, no, for, there's there's an argument to be had, like, for example, like, Ulm, when you just when he just starts randomly jatting you, and you're just taking, like, 30s, and there's nothing you could do, you're trying to protect against something, and it just keeps switching styles, like, that's, that's something that's, that's kind of annoying. It would... I wouldn't I wouldn't actually be against something like where next, you know, can mage or melee you and there was maybe a one tick notice where you can tell what it's about to do, but you have that like a, a tick to react. All of my gripes. Yes. If you if it was telegraph or even one or two tick, it could be one tick. Maybe it's hard as fuck, you know? Yep. You better be paying attention. That's fine with me. But the fact that it's unavoidable is what irks me. I don't think yep. that's a good mechanic is like drain because it, it's just like the same thing as mutadile. What was the challenge of the mutadile room? You better have five brews. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, yeah. I don't I don't think taking shit tons of damage to guarantee that you can only get like one trip or whatever it might be or get it close is generally a good mechanic. Now, that being said, I don't mean to sound like I'm negative about PBM. I think in the last couple of years, uh, the po- since the post-top content drought from Fasani's basically on, I think they have just dropped bangers, man. They lot, I think the Desert Treasure 2 bosses were phenomenal. I think that amazing. was like, oh my God, you talk about piss off RuneScape 3 because they should have done that instead of EOC. Like, look how far they took point and click. You know, four the, unique bosses that came out great. And I just like, I, I really love the dev team. I love the Inferno, man. Yeah. So I don't no, mean to sound I, negative about it. It's just my minor gripe that like shit tons of straight up unavoidable damage. And it seems like they conceded that point with Mutadile, Mutadile. Um, just is, is a lot of times bad mechanic to me. At the same time, you made me think when you said Ohm can switch like that. 
that you know maybe I should just consider that basically an in-game mechanic, whether I like it or not. No, it's you know, annoying. I, I would I would be <laughs> totally cool if like Ulm had some sort of telegraphed thing like a tick before that's a it's about to switch or something. But I mean, no, no, no. You're right about next as well. Like the most annoying thing about next, in my opinion, was phase one where you start and it's targeting you and you're trying to pray mage because it could mage you potentially and you're wearing armor so you're like oh, okay i should probably pray mage because it'll hit me and then it punches you fucking four like four or five times in a row and you're just taking 29 yep. 27 there's nothing 26. you can do bro like fucking chill yeah that's annoying. i agree i don't think that that's good mechanic and, and that being said I, i'll repeat like i said earlier i think next was great to come into the game mm-hmm. at first i was a little hesitant because i still every now and then have the slight trappings of runescape three but I trust our devs to, to rework things as they're meant for this game. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I voted yes on it. Mm-hmm. I just think that I think some of the fight aspects were a little rushed to try and emulate the pre-EOC. This bitch will kick your ass feeling, you know? Yep. I think it was just a little overtuned in some regards. I still think overall it's a solid fight. But that end phase in particular. And yeah, like you said, the first phase. The phases where you just got like straight up no choice. Let her telegraph that melee hit, and I will be a much happy, happier camper. I will flick from mage to melee every time she telegraphs it, and back, you know, yeah. if that's what it takes. But I want some way to feel rewarded for good gameplay. Totally. And, but I'm uh, not looking forward to that grind. And all of my dry streaks, I can pretty much just sum that all up. Thank God I have not had a late game dry streak in particular. I'm currently at like 1,100 or 1,200 total raids across all three on my account. I don't have any power weapons, but I do have an Ellie, so like, eh. Other than that, it was like 3,000 KC for Black Mask, uh, 500 KC for Archer's Ring, which knocked Behemoth off the high scores of... Uh, I took his rank as high scores for high, Hardcore Iron Man at Supreme. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I'm way down on the list now, you know? Yep. But um, 1,400 for my first Lizard Man Shaman. Just a bunch of petty stuff where I was like, maybe Iron's not for me. And uh, ever since then, man, it's 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 been a pretty decent. Wait, fourteen hundred for what? What did you say? Uh, Lizard man shaman, yeah, like that's uh, Eric's houseman. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay, Eric's Wow, I said Lizard man shaman. Yeah, it's Eric's houseman. Just like a bunch of early game kind of aggravating shit. Um, thankfully for me, in my opinion, with raids and bosses and stuff that drop multiple drops, you don't really feel that way nearly as often. You know, you get some stuff here and some stuff there. Yeah, yeah. And the longer little you drop. do stuff, you just. You'll get some really crazy good luck, and then you'll go on some crazy dry streaks. But that's kind of it's kind of the fun, especially if you're like a streamer. There's something kind of nice about having like an iconic grind that you're going for, but you're just brutally dry for. It sucks. Everybody the celebrate moment. when you get it. But yeah, exactly. Everybody gets hyped as hell. I know everybody's gonna be super thrilled whenever I finally get a twisted bow. You know, but it takes me doing the grinds to begin with. Yep. My my main gripe, I mean, DT2 plus the Awakened bosses, I completed those like a couple months ago. Ugh. I'm not trying that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they were, the thing is, is like, they're so fair. They are yeah. so fair. Like, you can it's just. a great way of putting it. Yep. You can do a perfect kill. That's a total possibility. And there's no RNG. There's no, like, you know, real DPS check. If you perform, you get it done. And that's what I really love about it. It's just everything, every one of those fights is fair. My only, my, I think my biggest gripe with the regular variants about just pure in, like, the fun realm is Duke the Shadows. It's it's literally, that is the one thing that uh, just pisses me off to no end is the Shadows and the Vents. The Vents aren't that bad. Vents are less bad, yeah. Yeah, the vent, vent, Vents are somewhat fine because they're pretty, like stable like they're they're static and but the fucking shadows bro like yeah i hate those i telly out when i hit one of those i just rage telly and go fucking hit my pool <laughs> they're just so annoying and also yeah. i have to admit that i 
I think fair is a great way of describing it because I tell people a lot that I think that my favorite fight, I don't know if this is a hot take or a cold take, is Vardorvis, just as far as straight up fight goes. It's so fun. I love it. It's just slapping meat to meat, knife to knife, vampire to human. Yep. I think it's a down and dirty. And also, this is worth noting, um, I don't. I use really minimal plugins, so I don't axe skip. I, oh, damn. I use a few tile markers here and there, but I don't use true tile. Basically, the most you'll get out of me is I might mark a tile or two, and I uh, highlight enemies sometimes. But that's it. I don't. I keep it really light on plugins unless it's for like mini games. I just don't. I don't know how to put it. People think that I'm trying to act superior when I say that. It's just a personal thing. I just. I don't know. I don't use true tile, man. When I was learning Howard Sepulcher, I can't tell you how many people were crying in my chat telling me, I, I, "You can't do it. You can't do it without true tile. Mm-hmm. You have to have true tile." I was like, "No, bro. They don't. I designed this game with plugins in mind." But anyway, so I don't at skip Vardorvis to make it brain dead because I enjoy the fight. Damn. And the way that you put it fair is just perfect. Because every time that I've ever got my, my ass sat down by Vardorvis, which has happened many times, I know exactly what I did wrong. Yep. I know where I clicked. I know what I did wrong. I might not have had time to fix it. Maybe I didn't eat in time, but I know what happened. There's no bullshit. Oh, he switched phases and smacked me for a 26 when he shouldn't have. None of that crap. You know what you get. It rewards good gameplay, and that is my favorite kind of stuff. That's why I like Fasani's Nightmare so much. That's why I like the Desert Treasure 2 bosses. They're fair. Mm-hmm. You fuck up, you're dead. You don't, you win. Yep. There's no mystery mechanic. There's no Prey 50-50. None of that. I love it. And the chip damage of Ardorvis, again, I think is fine. You know, it it, it kind of still puts a little risk and a little timeliness on your on your fight, even if you're fighting it perfectly. You know, I like that. It's nice, and I, I'm I'm one of those people, like what you said, like just head-to-head meleeing each other. Like, I love God. melee. Yeah, me too. I've always loved melee. It just feels good to just beat the piss out of somebody one tile away from them. Yep. In the game, FBI, just in case they're listening. <laughs> just, <laughs> I use just, that disclaimer de- a lot. They're definitely listening now. I mean, uh, hey, we, we've got conspiracy theories. We're we're joking, I hope. But yeah, we always make a joke that like the feds listen to literally everything I do in every stream. And they're just sitting here waiting to say, blue team, go, blue team, go. But I've never done anything bad. <laughs> Here's always the- say, in the game. And they're like, damn it. This is actually relevant uh, because you mentioned that. Frey asks, what conspiracy do you believe the most strongly in? Oh, man. I don't even want to, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, God. Um, I don't know really what would count as a conspiracy. Some things people call conspiracies, and they're more or less proven. And I just hate to say this, man. I, I have always hated conspiracy theories. And oftentimes theorists. Not them themselves, but their beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been like, man, can't you just like except that life is what it is and sometimes people do crazy shit but there are truly some very concerning things once i found out how hard the government went to lie about me and make out this crazy like oh he's a mass murderer fucking like above and beyond narrative like it kind of just started making me realize that they'll say and do literally whatever it takes to maintain their image of being in control and being punishing and I, I'm aware of the fact that I'm sounding totally crazy right now but it's just the truth man it's just kind of how the system works when you're scared of prison, you don't go to prison. You're less likely to commit crime. The more examples they make out of people, the more people that get pushed under that thumb. While they can also strike the balance of not notifying the general public that there is an overzealous incarceration going on right now, the better. You know, they're trying to walk that fine line. Um, hell, what was the original question? I don't got fired up, man. What conspiracy do you right. believe the most yeah, strongly Yeah, yeah, conspiracy. Because that, that is kind of a conspiracy yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. But, um, oh, shit, bro. That, that I, I don't know. I, I'm sure that what he's referencing is the fact that I'm extremely, extremely into aliens. I always have, okay, not always. Since I was 14 years old, I've been very, very into aliens, formerly known as UFOs, now known as UAPs. I don't care if you call them aliens or not. There's a lot of technical terms, like within that, within the, what's the word there? Like within the circles, 
you know, or whatever you might call it. So, um, what no, happened I when you were 14, though? That I made saw you... some lights in the sky. <laughs> I saw some lights in the sky. Oh, so you weren't abducted or anything? No, no, not that I know of. Not that I have any okay. memory of. No, I was with two of my friends, one of whom is actually about to go on a fight ticket for, uh, potentially, if he wins this fight, he's going to join the UFC. So good luck to Johnny Smith from Mississippi. But um, I was with two of my friends, man, and walking down a back forest road type thing in Natchez, Mississippi. You know, it's like all woods down there and antebellum homes and shit. And looked up and saw some lights. And I, I got to admit that I didn't talk about it for a real long time. I don't think Johnny and my other buddy ever did either again, because one of them started crying and the other one was screaming like, like he had got hit by a laser. Holy shit. Um, I didn't talk about it for a really long time, man, because I thought it was crazy. And I know I don't care what other people think. I've got people that try to tell me what it was. You know, mm -hmm. they're just smarter than me. I know that what that the several orbs that I saw in the sky were nothing that any human being on this planet made. I'm not saying they're from another planet. I'm not saying they're from another dimension. I don't fucking know. What I know is that what me and my two friends saw in the sky that night was nothing that humans built. It was not an airplane. They changed formations multiple times, and they were flying so much faster than anything I'd ever seen in the sky. So now you got me all fired up, man. But I didn't talk about it until, like, legitimately... Two years ago or something, somebody on my stream finally pestered me enough about it. I got an alien tattooed on my leg, man. I got Albert Einstein, a terrible, terrible pick and poke of him on my leg, and it kind of <laughs> relates back to this. Um, How? So, yeah, it was bad, and it doesn't look anything like Albert Einstein. It was a real big joke on the PKA podcast how bad that tattoo was. Um, but it all kind of rooted back to that, man. And so if I had to pick, like, one conspiracy that I'm just going to wholeheartedly say, in my opinion, if you don't think it's true, then you're just, like, denying it because of your own views or whatever. I believe that David Grush is right when he says the United States government knows all about these UAPs and these aliens. I do believe the United States government has them. I'm not sure, you know, whether or not they successfully reverse engineered them, but I believe David Grush. Um, I think he's telling the truth. I think if you are in denial about that, then you have not been watching the skiffs that they've been doing and watching congressmen who I generally disagree with, by the way, uh, from both political aisles working together on this issue uh, to find out what the government knows about UAPs. And that has really been popping off in the last few weeks with an important SCIF meeting happening not even 12 days ago. A lot of people are seeing me. I got in an argument with Copper Cab, you know, the gingers have souls guy. I got an argument with him on Twitter because he was acting all know-it-all about disclosure's never going to happen. If you believe this, you're dumb. And I'm like, that's pretty tasteless considering there was a meeting yesterday, but all right. So that's my big thing, man. I'm really, really into UFOs. I'm really into UAPs. I don't have hard theories. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, you know, whether they believe in them or not, whatever you want to call it, both sides have a lot of I know the truth. I don't have that. I saw something that was not anything humans built. I don't know where they came from. I don't know if that's what the Bible called angels. I got no clue what those things were, but it wasn't humans. And so I actually ended up going down a really deep rabbit hole of like online stuff about aliens. And uh, you remember I mentioned at the start of it that I was an atheist for a long time. It, mm -hmm. it really linked back to that again. Einstein, atheism, and an learning about anthropology and the history of human humanity and the construction of religions. And I watch Zeitgeist. You know, everybody that watches Zeitgeist thinks they got all the answers. Oh, all the details of Christianity were actually in place years before Christianity came along. Like, I just was that guy, you know? Um, and a lot of that stemmed back to that, man. And um, that's so, a conspiracy that I wholeheartedly believe in. I don't think we're alone in the universe. I do believe that other forms whether that's from a planet or from some dimension that we don't understand like string theory seems to predict i don't know but something's going on and i don't think that the world and the reality that we do see is everything that there is to see if that makes sense so is that what you consider like atheism is 
like because I guess in in my head when I think of like atheism, it's just not like subscribing to a religion, basically. The it's, way that I look at it a lot of times is that there's agnostics. I don't really know, yeah. you know, like uh, maybe one way, maybe the other, you know, I'll try to be a good person, what, what, that, and the other. I was an atheist. I firmly believed that I was correct in believing that there was no type of supernatural anything anywhere in the universe mm. and that everybody who had ever believed otherwise was just dumber than me or psychotic. That's what I believed. Mm. Like I straight up thought if somebody came up to me and said, you know, uh, you know, uh, I had an experience and I worship Allah or I worship God or whatever. I would just straight up accuse them of their face of lying in the name of their God because they thought that Sky Daddy was going to give them brownie points. I had it all fucked up. I was your typical Internet edgelord, like no deeper spirituality, no concept of philosophy. You know, I thought that it was science to remove all philosophy from science. I see a lot of people still do that today. Um, but in my particular case, I would say I was an aggressive atheist insofar as I claimed to be positive that there was no... God, mm. no creation, no fundamental underlying energy. Now, or I mean, other than that fundamental underlying energy, you know, like the, the Big Bang, whatever it may have been, which at that time I thought was incompatible with spiritual or religious beliefs, and I don't see it that way anymore. But um, then I went down a path of Buddhism, and I was a, a practicing Buddhist for six years for the last half of my atheism. I was atheist for about 12 years. And um, that's probably a whole different rabbit hole to get down into because I know that um, you had talked before, I at least saw your tweets about it, about experimenting with mind-expanding substances. And um, I did much the same, but I accidentally took too much. And it changed me fundamentally in a way that, A, made me Buddhist, but then years down the line led to my other spiritual stuff going on, man. And it, and it really changed the way that I viewed the world and things. And uh, a lot of that, for me, again, did relate back to psychedelics. And, and how I said that I had one that like transitioned me basically longer term into Buddhism was because I actually did hit ego death from taking what I thought was fake acid, and I took entirely too much. Holy um, shit. And found myself alone in my bedroom at my mom's house. <laughs> Peaked out of my gourd. So needless to say, I went completely out of my body in ways that I don't fully remember or understand. And it's probably too much to get into a podcast, man, but I had this crazy, I don't know if the word vision or thought, what you would call it, man, but that everything in the universe was just energy. Every single thing from my computer to me to my leg to my parents and everything in the universe was made out of the same shit. It was these tiny vibrating particles of energy. You know, that's all that it was. Different wavelengths, whatever you might want to call it, that did it. Everything in the universe was the same thing. Everything in it. And any calling it anything else other than what it was was like... What's the word I'm looking for? Calling it, it was an illusion. It was an illusion. It wasn't real. Like, and I know that people think that's hippie shit to say like, oh, it's an illusion, man. But like, it was real. Like, the, it's like this because we make it this way. Like the grind and the rat race and the needing money and the drugs and all this, you know, like you can see through it all almost. And also had this wild concept. And this is what links me into Buddhism later down the line, which like I said, I'm no longer a practicing Buddhist, but it did wonderful things for my life. I admit, um, years down the road, I was in prison, man. I called that my bad trip, by the way. When I got up, like, when I finally came out of that shit, I had to, like, go hug my mom. And she and I were not on good terms at that time. And I just didn't know what else to do. Like, I was out of this world shaking and trembling and permanently altered from what had just happened in my mind. It took me several days to stop, like, walking around hugging myself. I'm not even joking, you man. It was a crazy, powerful psychological thing. And I called it ego death, you know? Um, I was like, I guess I hit it, man. I've heard people talk about it and all this. And it was weird and et cetera, et cetera. Years down the line, I started reading a book called, um, give me a second, the... A concise history, no, a concise guide to Buddhism, a history of its teachings and studies or something like that. The important part is it was Donald S. Lopez Sr. So if anybody out there wants to check that out, that's the book I'm referencing. Um, and in that book, he talks about 
the experience of singularity is duality because that's what that's what a lot of it boiled down to about this illusion was that like okay we've got hot and cold they're opposites but no they're not they're just temperatures we've got different words for what each side of it is but they're just opposite ends of one spectrum hot and cold are the same thing right that probably sounds crazy space and matter they're just different spectrums of the same things they're still just stuff everything had this application to it like there's land and water and space and matter and right and wrong light and dark like everything that could possibly exist, could only exist by nature of having a juxtaposition against it. Does that make sense? Mm. Without something to compare it to, then nothing can exist, was where the basis of this quote-unquote illusion came from. When you differentiate these things is when you get caught up in it. I know it's hard to explain, man. It was a very, very, (laughs) very wild experience to have, and I couldn't make any sense of it, and I was just very confused. And also, the day that I came out of the trip, I heard the word duality three times that day. Once while I was watching Full Metal Jacket, then a Slipknot song came on and somebody else said it in conversation. And I was like, that was the point of the whole trip was that duality is singularity and to see anything other than a singularity is wrong. And I know I've gone far, but let me just say this. In Buddhism, that is many, many, many years of meditation to obtain what I felt and learned. That is the end goal of 30 to 40 years of deep Buddhist practice is to see emptiness, as they call it. It's the same thing as ego death. It's, I mean, you feel like pond scum, like I'm nothing. I'm a unicellular organism in an infinite universe. How have I been walking around with my leather jacket and my bad attitude and picking fights and like being worried about stuff? Like, this is so absurd. Like a perspective, if you will, you know? Yep. And um, since that was the first time at that point in my life that I felt, and during my atheist years, I studied all kinds of religions, which I eventually would circle back to and stuff like that. But I'd studied the Torah for a little while until I found out it was the Old Testament. I read the Bible. I read the Satanic Verses by Anton Sandor LaVey. I had read the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I was very much an atheist who wanted to find a seed, man. I wanted something, if that makes sense. As, mm-hmm. as much as I ridiculed it, I felt like I should search. And um, that was the first time in my life that I had ever found any spiritual book, spiritual teaching whatsoever that I knew for a fact had something in it that I knew was true. So I jumped on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When I had my experience, man, love was the message. That's and I had all been doing it, it is. That, that, I had been doing it all wrong. I thought tough love and sarcasm and making people feel dumb to try and make them change their ways. I had it all wrong, bro. Yep. I needed to be love and a beacon and, and a lighthouse to people is what I wanted to be from then on. So, yep. No, I, I, had a, I had a profound experience with the uh, the old fake acid, man. And it took me literally years to like comb it out and make sense of it and find a way that it applied to my life. But it did. And it still to this day changed who I am. That's beautiful. Disclaimer, not everybody will have these experiences. <laughs> yeah, that that is the biggest thing I is like a takeaway is like these. They're not a toy. They're not. Certain drugs can exacerbate mental illnesses. Please look into that before ever doing yep. illegal recreational things. If you do make a mistake of doing, you know, illegal recreations. You're not always going to be like, oh, man, I'm a hippie now and grew a white beard. It doesn't always work out like that. <laughs> but I was, that was really, man, it got me through a lot of spirituality and a lot of meditation and stuff like that that I got into whenever I was in there. Um, tied back into my psychedelia, man, which all ties probably back into, like, my bigger conspiracy theory. Because trust me, man, if we went down that rabbit hole one day, maybe for uh, Sebe Felon Part 2, <laughs> um, I got a whole lot of thoughts about the nature of the world and how it ties into psychedelics and how I think that what you see when you're on psychedelics might be closer to true reality than than what we're seeing mm. but that's, oh, that's yeah, a long no, story for windagoon <laughs> I, I would already agree with that lately just based on that small thing i mean seriously our 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 normal sober reality like yeah i there's it's a fraction bro there, it's a fraction so, that's what so i can so much say. beyond this and the way that everything breathes and moves when you're on psychedelics it's kind of similar to like how light you know when it's observed 
it behaves one way, but when there's nobody to observe it, it behaves a different way. I kind of feel like it gets stuck in that middle ground when you're on psychedelics. Like, yeah, you're kind of observing it, but you're kind of not. So what's really here? Mm-hmm. What do you really see? But it's kind of a long story, you know? But I'm with it. And I was glad to see you going on that journey, man, whether or not, you know, you think it's a long-term thing. I think too many people think it's a long-term. I need to keep this going like it's therapy type session, man. But I remember seeing you doing that and I had seen the picture of you on the hardest rap album cover that i've ever seen man was your mormon mission picture (laughs) that picture brought me a lot of joy man because i can't tell you how like how respectable you really looked like you probably thought that looked goofy but you really didn't man it looked like you were there to handle some business and um (laughs) and then i see you know down the line saying that you had you know talking a little bit about how you'd left the church and that these psychedelics man i felt like it was the right move for you know i was happy to see that and uh, I also felt like you approached in the right way because I live in a college town. And when I got into psychedelics, there were plenty of ple- people that were just trying to look at the pretty colors, man. Frat boys. Yeah, bro, you're never going to guess this, man. I dropped like five hits of L at Pretty Lights last night. <laughs> that's that's cool, bro. But like, what did you learn? Where yeah. did you improve? You know what I mean? Where What compassion did you pick up on that you'd not thought about before? Like, I'm not there to look at the colors, man. This shit's a tool for people when you're using it properly, you know. And yep. We got on way too long about psychedelics, man. But it was a very important part of my life. I haven't done any since I got out of prison. I'm n- sure I'll never touch them again, man. But it was a very big part of my formative years. And transitioned me from the asshole that I was in high school. Ten months later when I got arrested by the FBI, I was a totally different person. But all they had to go off of was my high school records. I'd had so much internal peace and growth, man, and compassion come over me in that time. But they knew me as the guy who dropped out of high school that was, like, punching lockers and picking fights and drinking a lot. Yep. So it all came back to haunt me, man. But I did have very, very positive things happen from that. Um, And I feel like if you're an intelligent, well-minded person starting off at low doses, you know what I mean? Preferably in a country where you can do this legally. Um, It's very beneficial. It's beneficial for the well-ordered mind, man, to get a little perspective outside of yourself. Yeah. It's I know it's it's such a tough thing. I mean, I listen to like Sam Harris a lot, and like one of the things that really helped him, you know, he was in his early twenties and he took you know Molly or you know, and he just he just had that vision of just pure love for other people, and like without that, like he he literally thinks that was so formative for him. But it's like it's hard to say that because you don't want to be like promoting. Just everybody, just say hey, everyone, just fucking do drugs, and you'll, you know, that's like essential. Exactly, because everybody's so different. But I mean, I included in myself. Like, if I hadn't had the experiences I've had, like, I wouldn't be thinking the same way. I would just, I feel like I'd be a lot more superficial. You know, I, I don't. It's not like I've studied Buddhism much, but I've, I've definitely gotten into meditation this year earlier. Mm-hmm just mindfulness in general, but like, and it's tough. I mean, cause there's a lot of times where I just don't want to do it, but it's always, mindfulness benefit- is hard. it's always benefited me. And one of the nicest yes. things is understanding, like the only thing you have is this present moment. Like, yep. If, if you can't be satisfied, like in any present moment that you have, like this is the only thing you'll ever have. Like the future is just an illusion. The, the past has already happened. It's just a narrative you're telling yourself. Like, Ultimately, the only thing yep. you will ever have is right now, this present moment. And if you can't ever be satisfied, you can't ever, you know, just be happy just in the present moment, like you'll never be happy. Like you just, the, yep. the superficial thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, every, yeah. No. Like we you, always feel like we got a mountain to climb, man. There's some hill, and I feel like that takes away our joy of every day, you know? Um, yep. I even have a small personal example for that, man. Not too terribly long ago, um, right whenever I got off probation, my in laws wanted to move to New Orleans. Uh, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, that is. They didn't want to go because, like, he, my, my father-in-law got a big promotion. But he had to move to New Orleans. And he said, I don't want to move down there because I'll be so far away from my granddaughter, which is my daughter, you know. So we we were like, okay, you know, we like New Orleans. This is a life 
opportunity, we packed up and moved with them. And we ended up getting stuck with them because the housing got ridiculous around that time. Like it, it was way more expensive there to begin with anyways. We ended up getting stuck with family members for like two years and, and just recently got our own house again, finally, um, like in September, a couple months ago. Um, and I can honestly say, man, that even though like I love my in-laws, you know, it was a good time. All I was ever focused on once it came to a certain point was getting out of living with my family. That was all that consumed me every day that I woke up, like woke up everything that consumed me. I was never, ever happy in the moment because I was waiting to be happy once I got my own house. It's like I had tricked myself into thinking I can't be happy until I get out of here, which is a terrible way to think, you know, and I have to admit, man, and this is a valuable lesson for whoever ever will hear it. I don't have a lot of concrete memories of my younger daughter's like first year or so of her life or first eight months. Because that's how much I was stressing and focused on that mountain, that next obstacle, and not living in the moment, man. Mm. I, I changed her diaper. I fed her. I snuggled her. You know, I played with her. But so much of it is almost blurry compared to my first daughter where I was a lot more relaxed. You know, I didn't have this stress on my mind. And I remember a lot more about her, her earlier months, you know. Wow. And that makes me really sad, man. I can't fucking get that back, you know. I mean, yep. she's only one now. Let me not act like it's, you know, it's too late or anything like that, but... I miss out, you know, my memories just didn't hold up because I was not living in the moment ever. I was too focused on the future that did not exist. And it came to pass, and it came to pass over a year after I thought it would. So what if I could have not wasted that year stressing and thinking and said, hey, man, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Yep. I'm going to live for now, hug my wife, pick up my daughter, you know, and spend a little time with them. And, I, you know, so I don't know if anybody ever out there will take any wisdom from that, man. But stop and smell the roses like Ferris Bueller said. I think that I think Say is exactly right here. Yeah. No, and that's really good to figure out when you're, you know, younger. I mean, you're in your 30s. I mean, there's people that don't, there's people that get yeah. so obsessed with a job or their career or just every, like any super superficial sort of pursuit they're on. And much later in life, they'll realize how much they've squandered, how much they never got, got to stop and smell the roses. It was yep, all about absolutely. the next goalpost, you know. And I see it now, you know, in hindsight, I can see it, but. Now I just got to work on making sure that my goalposts aren't my sole focus. Yep. Yep. You know, keep them in the back of my mind, keep working towards them. But man, if I'm living for it, then I'm not living. I'm not living now because I'm living for the future. It doesn't even exist. Like you said, it's just an idea. It's a possibility. Yep. I'd rather trade that in for now. Honestly, if you stop and think about it, I think most people would agree with that, but it's kind of hard to break us out of that mindset. I feel like we've sort of been conditioned to it. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's just what the society we live in. Okay, um, Gnome Child says, <laughs> definitely need to hear the story about his pearl. Just trust me uh, on this one. Uh, what is this? You going in blind? Yes, I, I don't know what this is. All right, so, man, they're trying to get you demonetized. <laughs> I, I got know. body modification when I was incarcerated. It's a pretty oh, common thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's a pretty common thing to get done. I've heard it said that the Puerto Rican guys brought it to the fed system, man. But what it is, is you take a prison shank, a razor blade, a sharpened toothbrush, whatever it might be, and you don't do it yourself. You got to get a guy who knows how to do it. They pierce your dong through the shaft in two holes, oh, stab straight God. through it. Not through like the meat part, but through the skin. They lift the skin up like stretching turkey skin and stab through both sides of the skin. And then insert a whittled domino under that skin. Mine is in the shape of a heart. Some people do a bone. Some people do it like a three-leaf clover. Some people just do BBs because they say that, you know, it's, you know, ribbed for her pleasure or whatever. And then spend a grueling several weeks of sobbing every time that you get, you know, you wake up in the morning if you're picking up on what I'm putting down. Um, and waiting for that shit to heal. And then you've got a permanent subdermal implant in your shaft. 
And that is what I have. And I talked about it on PKA podcast, you know, with FBS Russia and Woody's Gamertag and hmm. Taylor Mercadurka. And um, <laughs> I saw a lot of comments where people were pressing X on that shit. And so um, if anybody wants to go do their homework, we're not going to, you know, we're not linking this to this or anything like that. But but the proof is on Reddit. I'll leave that to you guys. But <laughs> oh I got God. a pearl, man. I got a subdermal implant. And if I'd have had any idea how bad it was going to hurt and how close I was going to get the fainting, I never would have done it. My cellmate hyped me up on it. He got one. It looked dope. All the inmates were like, dude, the girls love it. They're going to freak out. They'll never be able to be with another guy besides you. And I, you know, did not have... I was a little bit more of a misogynist at that time than I was now, if that makes sense. You know, and I was like, oh, cool, man. Making sure the girl has to be with me. Great. That was like the selling point too, you know? And so, um, yeah, man, I did it. I got talked into it. I paid $21 to get my dong mutilated and get a oh. piece of domino shoved down into it in the shape of a heart. Jesus That's the Pearl story. Christ. And like I said, the, uh, the evidence is out there because I, I noticed that like most people will have heard of Pearls that have, knew, know a lot about the prison world. But for the people that just watched the podcast that had never heard of it before, they were like, there's no way he's telling the truth. Surely he didn't let an inmate stab a dirty, grody KFC spoon sharpened into a knife through a shaft. I did. I did. And it did not get infected. It healed just fine. It's still there to this day. Although if it were up to me, I'd probably get it removed now. I had to adjust <laughs> my grip afterwards, which oh was weird. God. I had to, you know, you've been using one grip your whole life. And then all of a sudden there's a thing in the way. And, you know, you kind of got to, you know, you got to, oh what's the word God. I'm looking here? You ever seen people running on a log trying to like find a balance? It's kind of like that. You know, just <laughs> search around until you get it. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That That's sounds, the pearl. I, that sounds excruciating, bro. I'm sitting oh, here like fucking tensed up. Like, I, I literally almost passed out. It's it's like one of your body's natural responses. Actually, believe it or not, a lot of guys that have pearls have a slight scar on the back of their head because they passed out cold. Oh there is some kind God. of body response to you getting your shit mutilated that makes you faint. They had to set me down in a chair for a minute, actually, after he stabbed the holes because I started swooning. My cellmate grabbed me, threw me up against the wall, and was like slapping my face because I was pouring sweat already, eyes rolling, you know? He's like, hey, man, hey, man, come on, come on. You got it, you got it. They had to set me down for a second. And... I'm dazed, I'm hazy, and I looked down, not at my dong yet, I looked at the count, like the little locker that was across from me, and I saw the heart, the domino heart, sitting on the counter, which meant it was not inside of me, and man, I think that's the only time in my life that I've ever begged a man in earnest for anything. I looked him in the eye and said, bro, please, bro, please put it in. Like, we, we can't go back, you gotta get that thing in, in the skin, like, insert that damn, I cut it. Why did you not put it in then? Like, I was panicking, you know, like, get it over with, get it over with, and he's like, no, we gotta let you calm down. And so ultimately, I uh, bit a shirt and just said, "Do it." And he shoved that thing in there, bro. Oh, I shoved it my through God, an open dude. wound, and I mean, like, mm. oh, you have to stretch the skin to get it in. You know what I mean? Because the hole's not really all that big, and that skin's very, very elastic. So you had to like pull it up, stretch it, man. And and I hate to be graphic, man, but if you pulled up the skin and looked through the hole, you could see straight through it. You know, it's two holes because you have bro. to adjust it from both sides to make sure that it's even on the shaft. If you do just one hole, it'll pop out. You can't control where it goes. Bro. So to release the tension, there has to be two holes brutal and that's what a pearl is ladies and, gen ladies and gentlemen i highly advise you to not look it up that is so fucked yeah uh, yeah I man am... i uh, i was young and dumb oh bonus <laughs> fact i got that done before i ever got a prison tattoo i had no tattoos when i got that done i went straight to body <laughs> modification oh my god ain't that wild to be young and dumb my friend so, how many tattoos do you have now? Did you get did uh, you get a lot in prison or just a couple? Yeah, but I intentionally did it to where if I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans, you can't see them. Mm. So I got like twenty, most of which were done with a staple. I got Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life on my arm. I got Never Forget that was done with a gun all over my pelvis. I got a crossed out heart, which I want to get covered up now that I'm a married man. What was that on the, my pelvis? And, and was the uh, alien and Albert Einstein was that in prison? 
Yeah, yeah, I actually did the uh, Alien myself. I, I never finished it because it was looking like shit. I was going to do a little UFO over it and put Aliens Exist in reference to the Blink song. Mm. But uh, it was just an alien head with a UFO over it. And some guy was like, why is the cowboy hat not on his head? And I was like, never mind, I'm not doing this. I don't put this shit permanently on my leg, man. Fuck. <laughs> uh, the Einstein was just me getting hyped up by a guy who swore he could do portraits with pick and poke. He did most of my other tattoos pick and poke, which I was happy with. So I trusted him and it was an abomination. There's a pretty high viewed PKA podcast clip where I show the tattoo on, <laughs> on the podcast and Taylor fell out of his chair laughing. Oh like, God. Talk about highlights of my life. Having FPS Russia pointing at my leg and scream laughing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, this is, this is where my life has brought me, man. This is wild. Uh, it's a bad tattoo, but um, I got really into Einstein around the time that I, you know, became an atheist and got into like uh, anthropology and stuff like that. And mm. uh, the history of humanity and physics and such, I thought it all looped together and I thought it all discredited each other. I don't see it that way anymore, you know, but I do regret a lot of my tattoos. I've got some, Oh my God, I've got a Kyle back tattoo, bro. It's like the independent skateboards logo, the zero skull and anarchy symbol. And then the Osiris skate shoes logo arched across my back, bro. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I tattooed five years on my ankle, like tally mark for the time that I did. I got to add another year to that now. I got to eventually go back and put another stripe. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, just all kinds of dumb stuff. I, I learned how to tattoo myself. Like, I, I practiced on myself with pick and poke. And so I did a tattoo that says jaded on my leg, and it's pretty bad. But then in huge, two-inch tall, super thick black letters, I did four lines, one line a day. It took over, like, 20 hours of pick and poke. And it says, uh, hello there, the angel from my nightmare going down like my upper thigh. But it was mostly just practice. Mm, interesting. See, I don't I don't have any tattoos. Are they painful? Like, are, are, the, uh, are the first ones more painful than the latter? Like, you just get used to it or what? It is painful, but I got to say that I think there's some kind of a chemical response in your brain to numb the area. It hurts really bad for like five minutes. And mm. then it kind of goes numb and all you really feel is the vibration. And then at times it almost feels a little good. And I think that's why people end up getting kind of addicted to the tattoos because there's this certain point where your skin is numbed enough and you are getting this deep muscle stimulation, like a little deeper than you could normally get. You know what I mean? And it's almost like scratching an itch that you physically can't. And it kind of feels good. And I really think that because even my wife lately has been saying she's getting the tattoo itch again. You know, they always say that you get that itch when you get that first ink. And um, yeah, man, they're definitely painful. I'm not one of those guys that tries to act like a hard ass, bro. They hurt. I got a rib cage tattoo. One of the worst places to get it. It came out bad with a gun, and we had to pick and poke it. Oh. Twice. Twice! I got pick and poke on my rib cage, tens of thousands of stabs with a staple into my ribs, with every single poke shooting white lightning through the back of my eyeballs. So, I mean, like, yeah, dude, they hurt really fucking bad, but what got me through it is reminding myself that it's permanent. Keep telling yourself that. This is permanent. It's too late. I am in this, bitch. I want it to look cool. You know, it's worth it. It hurts once. And then we're good forever. But yeah, I got hella prison tattoos. I kept it a secret even from my mom who had been begging me not to. But she didn't know that like they don't <laughs> tattoo on you if you have some kind of a nasty crime. And since I didn't, like it kind of follows reason that you kind of got to get, you know, at least a couple visible tattoos, even if it's just for whenever you have your shirt off, you know. It's just kind of the indicator that you got your prison work done. They know you're good and stuff. You're not a snitch. You're not, you know, anything creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do like tattoos. I wish I wouldn't have gotten a ton of prison tats. Um, one time I got, this is whenever I was an atheist and right before I got became Buddhist. I got really, really drunk, drunk on prison hooch, and um, Wait, went that? to my tattoo guy's cell. So, oh, I'm sorry, prison wine, wine hooch, they call it. Hooch is like a jailhouse-made wine. It's yeast and orange juice and Mountain Dew, Interesting. <laughs> more or less. Okay. Yeah, and some kicker, like a little fruit rind, maybe, something like that. And it is stout. 
bro. They can actually make moonshine from it, too, and it will light on fire. It's fully flammable, insano, way past 100 proof. They call it white lightning or honey bear. Holy but that's, that's not what I was drunk off of this time. I was drinking... Uh, hell, I don't even remember what story I was going to tell. I got to start talking about the damn... The prison hooch. Um, what was I saying about drinking the damn hooch? I can't uh, remember now. I just I, I was just so curious about the Yeah, hooch. it's kind of shocking to, for people to hear that, that we have... Uh, hooch in there to begin with you make it in a pant leg in the um air vent so that they never smell it and you mm. kind of have to burp it so they build it they cut out a federal pant leg stitch the bottom line it with a trash bag mountain dew orange juice yeast and let it sit for a while wow but, um, oh yeah yeah no i remember what i was gonna say now i got so trashed off of this prison hooch man that i went to my boy zombie cell he was my tattoo guy he did my first tattoo on the back of my leg and um uh dude when i say i was shithoused i barely remember this but i know they're telling the truth i had a lot of stamps which is the money in there and me being drunk with stamps was a bad idea. I went in there to my tattoo guy, and I dropped him, like, about $40 worth of stamps on the table, which is a good down payment for a tattoo. And I said, I want you to throw a satanic pentagram on my chest right now. And he was Holy like, what? Shit. And I said, bro, I want the goat head. I want the runes. I want the whole nine. Put it on me, bro. And he gets flipping through books and pages and stuff, and he's like, like this? And he, like, he legitimately had one in one of his tattoo art books. And I was like, yes, blow that shit up. From shoulder blade to shoulder blade, and I want it to go past my sternum. Huge. Like, I, dude, I was so shithoused. And uh, I sat in the chair, and he was, like, getting his, his ink out and stuff and starting to draw the thing, you know, and I was just going to shoot the shit with him, but I kind of passed out for a minute, and my cellmate, Arian Bryan, came in there and was like, bro, if you fucking touch him with that gun, I'm going to beat the piss out of you. Don't you even tattoo a drunk motherfucker, bro. He is wasted. He doesn't know what he wants. He's being stupid. Give me those stamps back. I'll give them to him in the morning. And he totally handled it for me. Wow. And like, I kind of remember like going back to the cell, and I remember standing up for count. And then the next day, I remember waking up and being like, Brian, did I try to get a fucking goat head tattooed on my chest last night? And he was like, dude, you did. <laughs> Holy so, shit. So it could have been a lot worse, man. It could have been way, way worse. But that also kind of goes to show you where my mindset was at the time, man. Like, even if, you know, whether you're against that Ford or what it might be, man, I'm just, I don't know. I had to be the outwardly offensive, edgy type. You know what I mean? It had to be like, your beliefs are worse than mine. I am superior. It was just all from a really negative headspace, if you will. And I'm really glad that Brian talked me out of that. And I did call him Arian Brian. Before anybody gets too mad at me for saying I hung out with an Arian, the dude was in a, a gang called the Arian Nation. Mm. And he had spent his first four years in prison at a high-security killing field. I can't remember. It was whatever the penitentiary is in New Jersey, man. Um, and when he got off the bus, it, he had nine years to do for meth. And it was either join a gang get victimized by a gang or go to solitary confinement for the next nine years. And he chose join a gang. And when that door would lock at night, man, and, and I've probably told this story on a podcast, man. So if anybody's listened before, it just really, it, a lot of these things are real profound moments for me, man. But when that door would lock at night, this dude who had a Swazi tattooed on his arm, you know what I'm talking about? A Swazi. Yep. He had that tattooed on his arm, bolts on his neck. And when that door closed, bro, he'd be like, bro, what am I going to do when I get out? I'm not even <sighs> racist. I'm not even with this shit, bro. I had to. Like, he would, he would like, kind of panic at night sometimes, you know? Like, he'd be like, bro, I've got to cover this up. Like, I'm, I'm not racist. I'm not with this shit. I hate this. I hate having the stuff on me, man. Like, he would, like, you know, to, to just me, his cellmate, who he knew wasn't affiliated. He can't say that to his brothers, you know? And he was like, dude, I'm not racist. I'm not on this bullshit. And he also told me straight up, he looked me in the eye and told me not to judge him, dude. You know? He said, he said I, I just hope you know, bro, you came here to Talladega Cushy Camp. I didn't go to Talladega Cushy Camp first. I went to a penitentiary, which in the in the feds, penitentiary is high security. Mm. With state-level penitentiary just means prison, but people get confused. With, with penitentiary means something else in the feds. It means the high security killing fields, the violent prisons. 
So he said, I went to a penitentiary first, man. It was nine years solitary, get stabbed or stab. I chose stab, you know? Damn. That was the reality of it. And I, I had to admit that I respected his view on it, you know? As much That's as it crazy. sucked, and, and it's not like he also just ran off and stabbed somebody. I'm, it's not up to me to decide who deserves to get stabbed, but the people that they go stab in those instances are people who shouldn't be at that prison, if that makes sense. Mm. It's guys with bad crimes, you know, and for some reason they sent him to the violent prison, and that means that he gets to earn his badge. He gets to earn his stripes on that guy. So he decided not to get earned on and do the earning. And uh, Fucking he's a very hell, intelligent man. guy, man. He was, a, he was a really nice, truly a good guy, man. He was a good friend, you know. I mean, he, I told you, he just busted up in there and saved me from... <laughs> getting the worst tattoo of my life i just think like bro like i have no idea what the hell that shit's like being in prison like oh my god like i would yeah. not last <laughs> god, god man, damn, I, I think 99 percent of it is about attitude man you know the way that i made it through was i went into county jail with a big attitude like a lot of young guys do man you know mm. like i thought i was big shit thought i was tough i was fresh out of high school and i fought a lot in high school so anybody got any problems you know and it took me like i mean a good two years of occasionally getting whooped too now i, I needed a good ass whooping and i lost a couple of them you know um not that like i said nobody in jail cares man they don't care that you lost they just know you fight and that's enough because i also guarantee you that nobody wants to lose to the guy who lost so <laughs> so they ain't even gonna risk it you know what i mean mm -hmm. but um oh, what was i saying about the the intermittent violence well, I was just um, saying, like, I couldn't, I couldn't deal oh, with yeah, it. But yeah. you said it's mindset. It, it is, man. It, it is. Once I, once I relaxed and decided that I was gonna be the funny guy, I just like to shoot the shit, and I kind of learned how to tell stories. You know what I mean? I started keeping shit lighthearted. It went vastly different for me, man. Nobody gets mad at the dude over there just trying to chill and not act like an arrogant asshole. I'm not pretending I'm tougher than you. I'm trying to make a joke. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm trying to laugh. Hey, bro, you hungry? Yeah, man, I'll throw you a soup. I get a little commissary money. You know what I mean? Just like a nice guy. And people say, you know, oh, they want to take advantage of a nice guy. No, you got to fight first. You know what I mean? You got to get that out of the way first. But the humble guys go everywhere, man. The funny guy, and especially if you're the guitar guy or you're just focused on music, man, they really give you a pass from the gang and violent shit if you're a music guy. They understand that. That's cool. Like, he, man, that's the guitar, man. You know, somebody come up, blah, 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 something popping off, man. Hey, man, that, hey, that's guitar Josh, man. No, no, he ain't involved. I don't want anything to do with that. I wasn't trying to pick fights. I didn't want to be in a gang. I wasn't tough. <laughs> I just wanted to keep my head down and stay the fuck out of the way, bro. That's all I wanted to do. And it worked out fine for me, man. I mean, yeah, a, a scrap here and there once or twice. One time I had to check somebody, which is where you call them out and basically say, I'll whoop your ass right now if you don't shut up. And the dude was at least three foot fucking taller than me. The biggest dude I've ever seen in my life. Um, and an hour later, he came in there and told me he respects the shit out of me. And me and him were cool as fuck after that, you know? It's just, it's a wild world, man. It's like a, it's like a negative society, if you will. Like the, the murderers are like the most respected because that's like the most pure crime, if you will, that you can be locked up for, for a long time. Does that make sense? It sounds fucked, doesn't it? Like yeah. you didn't snitch, you didn't touch anybody, you didn't hurt any women or kids, you know, like that's what you did. You handled your business. Somebody died. You're a thug. You're a gangster. You did it. You got respect in there. And then like drug dealers, that's a totally acceptable thing to be in prison for. We don't look down on drug dealers in prison. You know, the streets, they do. They think it's a terrible thing. In prison, it's just, oh, no, you know, 80% of the people there for dealing non-fatal drugs to begin with. Um, Damn. Oh, I mean, non-violent is almost every single person in the prison system. It's kind of ridiculous. <sighs> That's, yeah, that, I've, I'm not in that scene, but I do know how just fucking sad that is. It is, man. And there were so many times that I was in prison where there were guys in there, I can say at least 5%, and I'm probably lowballing. 5% of the prison population, man, maybe 10, does not belong there. And they're not getting any help from it. And they will be uh, back, and they will be back again and again. And it's because they are not, they don't, they don't understand right from wrong. The law says, 
now. The, the theory and practice are two different things. I've learned that a lot with the American Constitution. But if you are mentally ill and incapable of distinguishing the difference between right and wrong, you are not supposed to be in prison. It doesn't mean you can walk around free. Mental institution, you know, a little bit of health, uh, you know, a mental hospital with some counseling and some medication. There are other avenues. They are not supposed to put the mentally ill in prison, and they are flooding in there, man. They are flooding. And I think that I've heard a lot of people say, I don't know much about this, so let me not, like, stick my flag in the ground for activism. But I've been told that a lot of this started around the time that they did away with quote-unquote loony bins in the United States. Like, once upon a time, there was a place where you could kind of just generally shove mentally ill people and they try a couple medications on them, try to get them some counseling and stuff. And when that went away, it became the burden of the justice system. Mm. Fast forward a few decades, and now we're at 153% capacity. So, Damn. what plays into what, man? Does the mental illness get worse while in there? I think it does. I can't tell you how depressed I got in there, man. For that first two years, it was eating me alive. I was doing drugs and typing up legal motions for people because I'd typed selling lobbies 250 each for years and years, so I was really good at typing. <laughs> And uh, doing drugs with all the stamps I made from typing, man, and just being miserable and sitting there all day thinking about how wrong everybody did me. And it did me no good, ever. It wasn't until I finally was like, you know what, man? Fuck it. I put myself here. I typed the words. I was enough of a dick to where this wasn't like a black and white open and shut case. I was enough of an asshole for them to at least scrape up some fake story on me. You know what I mean? Like, I've done a lot of bad in my life. I sold a lot of fake stuff to people one time. Like, I, I just like, I got myself there. And it was, I, I had this realization that it was time for me to just stop pointing fingers at everybody, including the fucking feds, including the feds. This is on the second time that I was locked up. Like, I was like, man, when I got out, it was all about how the feds are holding me down. And the, my whole life, it's always been somebody's keeping me from being me. I'm great. I'm awesome. I just don't have any proof because nobody will let me be great and awesome. You know what I mean? It was this real, I didn't see it that way, but it was a real self-pity mindset, man. Real victim mindset, you know? And... There are instances where it's okay to, you know, acknowledge that something bad has happened that it affects you and, you know, and it has changed your lens or your filter, you know, and it's something that you wear with you. But to use it as the sole excuse for why you're treading water for your entire life is not going to cut it. Not to yeah. me. Not for me anymore, man. And that's what I decided when I got out of prison. I was going to do whatever the flying fuck that I wanted to do. I wasn't going to let them hold me back. I wasn't going to tell them, let them tell me I was dangerous or a school shooter. I couldn't go back to my hometown or whatever it might be. I'm going to go live my life and I'm going to do the best that I can, stay sober and show everybody what I can do, man. Took it upon myself. Yeah, I'm trying to save up enough money to, like, not stream for three weeks or something and finally get this book done, man. I've had people requesting books. Oh, for, shit. I mean, since the day I got out of prison, but I'm having a lot of trouble saving, man. Everything's expensive right now. My phone company just double-charged me, and I'm still disputing it. But, yeah, man, I agree with it. And, and it's not because I was real hesitant to write a book. One time when I was at uh, on the rec yard in prison, People were talking about my case, you know, and I, even people in there knew I had like a wild case, you know, compared to the average person. They were like, you talk shit on a video game? Are you joking? That's really why you're here? Like, wow. And multiple people tell me to write a book. And I remember commenting, you know, man, I don't really, I don't feel compelled to write a book, at least not right now, because I think every federal inmate thinks their case and their story is so unique and wild that they deserve to write a book. And there was this awkward silence for like two seconds. And then we spent the rest of the rec hour while those guys discussed the books they're writing. <laughs> so i mean it kind of proved my point here you know what i mean but as time has gone on man i've had too many people come to me and, and tell me that they've changed their perspective or that i gave them something valuable man for me to just keep wasting it and holding it myself and i don't know how to make it sound without it sounding like i'm arrogant or i want the praise it's not about me man the story is way bigger than me it's about the government and overcoming and redemption and being the underdog getting fucking sober for one thing especially man because that was holding me back oh my god from age 14 it, it, it's way bigger than me, man, and what I did. This is about the government and the links that they will go to to try to prove that somebody is 
not what, you know, they really are just to try and make a point and a conviction and overcoming that shit. Damn. And when I got out of prison the second time after I decided all of that, man, I didn't get a single write-up on my probation. I had to be the smoothest probation case that the feds have ever had. I showed up. I took my piss test. He showed up unexpectedly, knocked on the door. I answered. I peed in the cup, answered the phone. Whole nine. They got no more bullshit out of me. Ever again. Nobody has, as a matter of fact. So you can do it too, whoever's listening to this. I promise you. Maybe your family hates you and they think you're strung out and you'll never get any better and tons of people think you're worthless and hopeless, man. And that junkie's just going to die on the side of the road one day. They're wrong, man. It's not too late. If you're breathing you can hear this, it's not too late. Sorry for the motivational speech on the side. <laughs> no, I'm, But it's the truth, damn it. I'm a big believer in that. If you're breathing, it ain't too late. Get back out there, guys. You got this. So, you know, what would it... How long would you expect to uh, have finished your book? You know, because I'm oh, assuming man. You're, you're, you've already worked on it. Yeah, I've got my chapter outline and stuff and most of my book proposal done. What it would really boil down to is finalizing exactly what each chapter is going to cover and then legitimately filling in the skeleton, putting the meat and the skin on the skeleton and sending mm. it to my editor. I can only imagine that it would probably, if I really focused on it and just like I got up in the morning, drank my coffee and replaced all of my former work other than Chronicles like with just writing, I, I could easily finish it in like three or four weeks, I think. I've never had a problem with writing. Mm. Even when I had a worse vocabulary, it's always been something that came kind of naturally for me, so... Man, there's just there's gonna come that time. I'm gonna have a, a, enough money saved up to where like, okay, I can realistically just like stop and not do anything right now for like three weeks. And I've had the opportunity before, and I didn't see it that way, and I didn't take it, you know. Mm -hmm. But now, man, I just if one person fucking saw my case, man, and didn't go to prison because they thought twice about the ignorant shit that they were about to say, then it was all worth it. And I've maintained that the entire time because I turned out fine. Luckily for me, I was a kind of a junkie anyway. I, I, even though I had a nerd streak in me that led me to RuneScape, I still was running the streets a lot, fighting people, leather jacket, flippy hair, like I said, big ego, wannabe, Billy Badass. And that served me very well for the life path that I ultimately took. That wouldn't have been the case with every RuneScape player. You know? Yeah, you grab I the random average RuneScape player off the street, and maybe they wouldn't have fared so well, man. So if I've got to be the one to tank it, then at least it was me. <laughs> Josh, um, this has been fucking an, a very eventful podcast. This has been actually <laughs> extremely entertaining for me. I want to, man. I'm glad. I want to ask you um, for a few shout outs. I guess I I usually say for three shout outs, but I swear, like the past few guests, I always want to give a little bit more. So, but I'll I'll just ask you for some shout outs from the community before we uh, wrap things up. And for sure, as you mentioned earlier, like it would be pretty fucking cool to do a round two, especially if you get that fucking book done. We could talk about oh, that absolutely. as well. That would be let amazing. me come plug it. Hey, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think I could think of a couple shout outs. First off, I'm just going to return a favor. I love Matt K, man. It has been so wild being friends with that guy. My life has taken me on so many crazy twists and turns. Zezima follows me on Twitter. I'm friends with Matt K. You know what I mean? I'm friends with Windagoon and Charlie and fucking FPS Russia. Follow your dreams, kids. Make threat. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But seriously, Matt K, I love Matt K. I love his stories, man. I swear, he's like an older British version of me. He just loves RuneScape and rock and roll. Like, it doesn't get any more true to me than that, mm. you know? If he wants to talk about rock and roll, I'm a listen. If he wants to talk about RuneScape, I'm a listen. So shout out to Matt K. If you love RuneScape with a passion, then you have no business not being in his stream or Seder's stream. I guess that depends on if you want OG stories or if you want good gameplay. You know what I mean? No offense to Matt K, of course. Put a little technique in it. Um, yeah, what are you talking about? He, he does the craziest techniques of all time. What are you talking about? Bro, did you see Did you see when he was uh, Wooks walking Zuck that one time? That was wild. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do it. With a halberd. Um, but I really do love Matt K. I love his sense of humor, man. He's always a great sport. I love the historical things he's done in the game, like killing everyone with Criara. 
just an absolute legend and he's humble as, as you could possibly imagine. So I love Matt K. I think he's a gem in the community and I'm glad that he, we're still graced with his presence, even if he doesn't work with us anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, I would shout out also the Misfits, the Misfits, not the band. I got a, a streaming crew. My friends uh, Kazbap and ToxRS, they're big fans of yours. They were really hyped to hear me coming on here, man. I don't know if they've watched every episode or not, but they both stream, and they're like a duo team, so I count that as one. I'm shouting out the Misfits. Um, and then last but not least, my boy Tony Tuna. That's who I uh, PVM a lot with, Tony Tuna underscore on Twitch. That's like my main crew right there that I be killing monsters with and all that stuff. Um, amongst like As far as my peers sort of go, although I can't call myself a peer to Matt K., um, but uh, you know that's not about the content that I love it's about the content that I'm doing and the homies that I'm spending the time with and that's them I'd like to shout them out they get me through every day thank you for PVMing with me thank you for laughing when I die and rage the fuck out because still to this day even though I went to prison for it I tilt like hell over this game shout out to all the homies and long live old school RuneScape we're in a golden era right now everybody appreciate it and stop complaining <laughs> wonderful shout outs josh this was uh fucking awesome guys for those listening down in the description i'll have josh's twitch and his youtube and twitter i'll also have the uh crumb uh episode down there so you guys can listen to his full story and probably additional details is there anything else you want link josh no nah, that's about it the crumb story will uh deflect the criticism i guess because he dove deeper than my lawyer did and uh other than that, come hang out on my Twitch, because when I max, I'm 2252. When I max, we got a one-bill drop party. So the oh, sooner you get yeah. in the mix, the more likely you are to get yourself a nice little cut of that. we got a one-bill drop party coming up in a couple weeks, a month or two, whatever it might be. But that's Fair. about it, man. Come hang out on my Twitch. I do have a YouTube, but I don't really upload RuneScape content on there. So if you want prison stories, i got a series called Tales from the Jungle. If you YouTube that, i got a playlist for you. Hell yeah. All Josh. about the wildest, grossest, <laughs> violentest things I saw in prison. <laughs> Awesome. Guys, go check it out. Uh, if you want to support the cast, you guys can uh, pledge on Patreon or YouTube membership down in the description as well. Next week, we're having Afzal and Unpredictable on the cast together as a duo. And they're just uh, absolutely like one of two of the craziest PVMers in this game. So that's I love Afzal. He's so cool. Bro. He's so cool, man. He's so humble and laid back. He listens to great <laughs> I music. I love Afzal. That, that guy is awesome. He's fucking awesome. So I'm really excited for that one. So uh, be sure to check that one out, guys. Be sure to drop a subscription if you're on YouTube. And we will catch you, boys, in the next one. Thanks for listening. Josh, thank Later you once again. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.